0: Time Travelling Team: the weekly podcast where we review every episode of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Trisha.
1: And I'm Paddy. This week we join the Doctor, Romana and K9 as they encounter a collision in space and find themselves up against the Nightmare of Eden. As usual, we'll be discussing the Doctor, the Companions and the Villains and giving our thoughts on the story as a whole.
0: We would also love to hear your thoughts on the story, so as always to join the discussion you can check us out at Team. that is T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Or you can email us at time team at teamproductions.com. Now, as per usual, Paddington, why don't you take us away?
1: I will, to a land of pure imagination. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a Bob Baker story, so God knows what the fuck we're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Part one. As the interstellar cruise liner, the Empress, prepares to exit warp near the planet Azure. Captain Rigg comments to his co-pilot Secker that they are making good time Suddenly a malfunction warning goes off and Rig asks Secker to check it but he nonchalantly ignores him Rigg goes to correct the malfunction himself and he sees another ship about to collide with them The other ship fuses into the forward section of the Empress as it returns to real space and Rig sends out a distress call He gets a report from the maintenance crew that section A has been blocked off due to the ship's fusing and that they are unable to communicate with the passengers on the other side Rig angrily blames Secker for not checking their exit course correctly and tells him to check the power status of the ship. Secker, who has not stopped grinning, casually goes to the control console. Elsewhere in section B, the TARDIS materialises and the Doctor, Romana and K-9 exit to see the damage of the fused ships. K-9 warns that the area is unstable and Romana says that they should not interfere, but the Doctor says that that's what they do best, before leading them down a corridor. They see a man exit an airlock and discreetly follow after him. They see a man exit an airlock and discreetly follow after him. The man, whose name is Diamond and is the pilot of the other ship, goes to the bridge and confronts Rig over the collision. Diamond demands that Rig write a statement saying that he is the cause of the collision so his insurance company will pay for the damages. However, Rig says that Diamond was flying in a warp launch and landing area and is therefore the one at fault. The doctor interrupts and introduces himself and Romana, saying that they are representatives of Galactic Insurance and Salvage and have responded to the distress call. The doctor offers to help reverse the damage and Romana explains how it can be done. Rig says the Empress has no power for its trusters. Rig tells Secker to take the doctor to the power control unit, and the doctor tells Romana to stay behind in case he needs her to do anything, saying he will take K9 with him. Rig shows Romana and Diamond to the lounge where they can wait until called upon. After they leave, Rig looks up the company details for galactic salvage and insurance and sees that they no longer exist. In the corridors, Secker becomes to begin fidgety and tells the doctor and K9 where to get to the power unit. He then storms away, but the doctor and K9 discreetly follow after him. They watch as he enters a darkened room and takes something out of a locked cupboard. He then leaves, and after he goes, the doctor opens the cupboard and investigates its contents. He finds several tubes filled with a powder, and he gets Canine to examine it. Canine says that it is a fungus using the creation of a drug called Raxoen, a dangerous narcotic that introduces a blissful state that eventually leads to death once its effects wear off. Meanwhile, in the lounge area, Roman is engaged in conversation with a man named Trist, a renowned intergalactic zoologist and his assistant, Della. He shows off his greatest invention, the continuous event transmitter, or CET. He gives Romana and Diamond a demonstration of it, and it projects a jungle landscape on the wall. Diamond then explains that the crystals which protect the landscapes are actually self-contained ecosystems of recorded flora and fauna samples that continually evolve inside the crystals. Romano warns Triss to be careful with the machine, as the dimensional instability caused by the collision might affect the matter transmutation circuits in his machine. Back on the bridge, the Doctor and K9 return and ask Rig if they went to any planet where Secker may have picked up the Rex Owen. Rig says that the ship only goes from the way station to the planet Azure. The Doctor suggests that maybe one of the passengers could have given it to him, and Rig says that maybe Trist might have been to a planet with Rex Owen. However, he demands that the Doctor tell him who he actually is, but the Doctor gives him a flippant response before telling Rig to find Secker and bring him to the lounge so they can meet Trist. At that moment, Secker, who has returned to his earlier blissful drugged state, walks into the intersection of the two ships. In the lounge, Triss recounts his travels and continues to show off the CET. However, they are interrupted by Diamond, who says that he wants to get off the ship as soon as possible. Rig then enters and says that they can't find Secker, so the Doctor asks him to take to the power units instead. As they leave, the Doctor questions the morality of Triss's machine, saying that he is using it as little more than a zoo. Romana apologizes for the Doctor's comments, but Trist says that he doesn't mind, as he appreciates good conversation after being on a ship with the same people for so long. Romana asks how many were on his crew, and he says that ten, but one died. In the corridors, the Doctor says that none of the plants Trist visited would have contained Vrax Owen. They go near the intersection, and they see that it is getting worse due to the incompatible material of the two ships. Doctor asks if there is another way to the power unit, and Riggs says that they would have to cut their way up from the shuttle bay. Doctor says he has some equipment that could help and leads them back to the TARDIS. Back in the now-empty lounge, Romana uses the CET to look at the various ecosystems that Tristan's recorded. She stops on one called Eden, a lush jungle landscape, and goes to take a closer look as she thinks that she can see something in the bushes. Unbeknownst to her, is the man who moves further back into the trees. Suddenly, Della appears and switches off the machine. Romana asks her to switch it on again, but Della says that it brings back painful memories as that is where they lost their other crew member. Back in the corridors, the Doctor and Rig discover that they are blocked off by another interface when they suddenly hear a scream from inside it. They go into it and drag Seker out and they see three long claw marks running down his face. The Doctor asks K9 to scan the area, but he says that there's too much distortion. Rig calls for medics and they take Seker to the sickbay. At the sickbay, Rig asks Stella and Trist if they have ever seen the claw marks like the one on Seker's body and they say they haven't. Rig asks Trist if he has brought any live specimens onto the ship and Triss says that all his specimens are recordings in the crystals of the CET. One of the medics then tells him that Secker is dead. Meanwhile, the doctor goes back to the storage unit, but discovers that the remaining supply of drugs have been taken. Suddenly, someone emerges from the shadows and stuns him with a blaster pistol. The mysterious figure searches the doctor's pockets and takes the vials of Rexone that he had earlier recovered. A short while later, K-9 leads her man to the doctor and they wake him up. He tells him that someone is smuggling Rexone on the ship, and Romana says that this should be impossible, as the only known planet with the fungus source was destroyed. Doctor leads them back into the main corridor, and as they go, Romana expresses her concerns about the danger posed by the CET machine. Rig appears and tells him that Seker is dead. The Doctor tells Romana to take care of the CET, whilst he, Rig, and K-9 go to separate the ships. Romana goes to the lounge and turns on the CET again to bring up the Eden landscape. She goes to take a closer look, but is suddenly stung by something, causing her to collapse to the floor. Down near the interface... K-9 cuts through a section of the bulkhead with his nose laser. The Doctor and Rig remove the cut section, but when they do so, a huge furry green-eyed creature with massive claws lunges at them. Part 2 K-9 fires at the creature, forcing it to retreat back into the bulkhead. The Doctor and Rig replace the cutaway section, and K-9 starts to weld it back into place. Rig demands to know what's going on, but the Doctor admits he can't explain anything, but tells Rig that Secker was taking Rexon and would have died anyway without the creature attacking him. Once they finish the welding, they head back to the bridge. En route, Rig tells the doctor that all the passengers were scanned prior to boarding and that he also scanned Diamond's ship after the collision with neither scan showing any trace of Rex Owen. However, he says that he will check again and he begins the scan when they get back to the bridge. Unfortunately, the scan reveals no sign of the drug, but Rig says that they have bigger things to worry about as they still need to separate the ships. He says that they can't do it without accessing the power unit, but the doctor says that he can use the TARDIS. Rig again becomes wary of the doctor and says that he doesn't know whether he can trust him or not. The doctor echoes the sentiment, but assures Ray that he only wants to help and gives reconstructions instructions for both himself and Diamond. Meanwhile, in the lounge, a mysterious figure stands over Romana, but then rushes away when they hear someone approaching. Della arrives and rushes to help Romana, bringing her back to consciousness. Romana says that she must have fainted, and Della asks why she was looking at Eden again. Romana asks why she is so concerned about it, but Della evades the question and says that she will get her a drink. She bumps into Rig and as the duo start to speak the mysterious figure pours something into the drink she had prepared for Romana. Rig takes the spiked drink and Della prepares another for Romana. Rig goes back to the bridge where he finds Trist and Diamond waiting for him. Diamond demands to know when he will be able to get the ship free as his work depends on it. Trist cuts off their argument by saying that they should focus on helping the doctor. Rig tells him about the doctor's investigation into the drug smuggling but again says that there is no sign of any on the ship. In the lounge Romana tells the doctor what happened to her and agrees that the CET is dangerous. She tells him the name of the landscape that she was looking at, and the Doctor says that the name rings a bell. Trist arrives, and the Doctor tells him that he needs to keep the CET machine shut off as it is too unstable to use, highlighting how it's missing some component as well as being affected by the dimensional instability. Trist promises to keep it turned off, and tells him that Diamond is looking for them in order to separate the ships. The Doctor goes to the bridge, where Rig jokes about the fate of Diamond's ship. The doctor sends K-9 to the interface to scan whilst he begins the separation process. He also sends Roman to the TARDIS to use it to separate the ships and they begin the process. At the interface, the ships separate long enough for K-9 to get through to the other side before they reconverge. Diamond reports that the ship is breaking up and the doctor tells him and Romana to switch off their power whilst he goes to find K-9. When he arrives at the interface, he realizes that K-9 must have gotten through to the other side. Suddenly he hears something behind him and sees one of the passengers looking at him. Before he can ask a question, the passenger flees, and the doctor takes off after him. Doctor chases him to the other passenger cabins. The doctor chases him through the other passenger cabins, and the chase continues onto another section of the interface. And the doctor confronts the man, who turns and runs into the interface. With no other choice, the doctor goes after him. Meanwhile, in the lounge, Rick continues to feel the effects of the drug drink. He giddily discusses his potential firing and execution for the accident of the ship, as well as the doctor's failure to separate the two ships. But says that he doesn't care about anything. Romana says that he, she will go find the doctor and after she leaves, Rick confines the tryst that he believes the doctor and Romana are the ones doing the drug smuggling. Romana goes to the interface where she sees one of the creatures emerge from it. Suddenly an unseen figure shoots at it and drives it back inside. A few moments later, the doctor emerges from the interface and Romana tells him what happened. The doctor says that maybe the person who shot at the creature was the man that he was chasing. He tells Romana that he fought with the man inside the interface and but he managed to escape. He then shows Romana a radiation band that he managed to get off the other man, and he see that it belongs to a crew member of Trist's old ship. In the lounge, Della arrives and sees Trist using the CET machine. He tells her that he is using it to help the Doctor in his search for Rex Owen. He says that he believes the Doctor and Romana to be narcotics agents, and that he wants to help them. He says that he's been thinking about their dead crew member, Stott, who mysteriously died on the Eden, and he believes that he discovered the Rex Owen on the planet. He further says that he believes that Stott had an accomplice, but he assures an outraged Della that he doesn't mean her. He then asks if she has any idea why Stott spent two hours on Eden the day before he died, but she says that she doesn't know. In the corridors, Romana tells the doctor about Riggs' strange behaviour, and he says that he must have been drugged. He says that the only place the drugs could be hidden is inside the CET machine. Suddenly Trist appears and tells him that he wants to help them in their search. Doctor sends Romana to decide, and Trist tells him of his belief that Della and Stott were the ones smuggling drugs. The Doctor is shocked by the idea of Della being guilty, but they are interrupted by a message from Diamond, who tells him to come to the bridge immediately. Triss goes back to the lounge, whilst the Doctor and Romana go to the bridge, where they are confronted by Officers Fisk and Costa, two members of the Azurian police force. They demand the Doctor and Romana's identity cards, but the Doctor insists that they listen to him about the Owen. They search the two Time Lords, and their scan picks up traces of Owen from inside the Doctor's pocket. The Doctor distracts the two of them and leads Romana back to the lounge, where he seals off the door. He tells Romana to start the CET machine and bring up Eden, saying that he wants to test the theory. Romana highlights the danger of using the machine, but the Doctor says that they have no choice, and together they jump into the landscape. Part 3. The Doctor and Romana arrive in the jungle landscape of Eden. After a small bit of bickering as to which way to go, they move on when they hear growls from nearby. As they move off, they are followed by one of the creatures. Whilst they are making their way through the jungle, Romana asks how they are able to be on Eden if it is just a recording, and the Doctor explains that the CET is missing a component called the Dimensional Osmosis tampener. He says that without it, anyone can cross the interdimensional boundaries into or out of the landscape. Suddenly, the Doctor says that he can't move, and both of them discover that they have been wrapped in vines belonging to a large carnivorous plant that starts to draw the Doctor into its maw. The Doctor tells Romana to grab one of the roots and pass it to him. He bites into it, causing the sap to burst out of it, and the plant releases them as it retreats. They then continue on through the jungle, but stop when they hear growls again, and the doctor tells Romana to keep quiet as they hide. They watch as the creature goes past, and then continue on their way. However, the creature suddenly ambushes them, but before he he can do anything, the man who had earlier been observing Romana from within the landscape appears, and drives the creature off with a blaster. The doctor thanks the man, and he introduces himself as Stott, the supposedly dead member of Trist's old crew. The Doctor realises that he was the man that he was chasing earlier and gives him back his radiation band. They hear more creatures approaching and Stop takes him to his hideout, which is actually a prefab research building. Back on the Empress, Fisk, Costa and Diamond enter the lounge but find it empty. They search it and see a side door locked off and Diamond says that he will go collect Trist. Trist comes back with Diamond and tries to turn off the CET but says that he can't as it looks like the Doctor removed the selector module. He expresses disbelief that the Doctor would sabotage his machine. But Fist says that he is a criminal and it is part of his nature. Tristan opens the side door which leads into the first class pass- uh, passenger bathrooms. Back in Stott's module, Romana asks him about the scars on his face and he says that he got them from a mandrel, the creatures that he saved them from. He tells him that he was left for dead on Eden, but he tried to get back to the ship. However, he was caught in the scan for the CET machine and has been trapped in the recording ever since. The doctor asks why he didn't tell Tristan or Della that he was now free of the machine and he says that he couldn't risk them finding out who he really is. He reveals that he's an intelligence officer from Space Corps who was assigned to discover the source of the drug smuggling. He initially thought it was the Doctor who was behind it, but no longer believes that after overhearing him talk to Romana. He says that he still doesn't know who is using the CET to smuggle the drugs, but he will once he finds the main source of the supply. The Doctor says that they need to separate the ships in order to seal off the recording from being accessed by anyone else. He asks if, that if they reach the limits of the landscape where they will appear, and Stott says that they can appear in any corresponding part of the ship. The doctor leads them to one of the edges, and they appear outside the Empress's power unit, which is being guarded by K9. The Doctor tells him that Sot is a friend, and the robot dog stands down and allows them into the power unit. K9 reveals that he has spotted at least five mandrels roaming around the corridors, and Romana says that they should deal with them first. However, the doctor says that they need to separate the ships and repair the dimensional stability, otherwise they will never be able to control the spread of the mandrels. At that moment, the mandrels have begun attacking the crew and the passengers. Rig, who is in the full throes of a wraxoman high, laughs at the slaughter unfolding on the security cameras before him. Costa arrives and berates Rig before ordering all security personnel on the ship to defend the passengers. He then says that he would have Rig arrested, but the captain continues to laugh. Fisk arrives with Trist and he orders Costa to take Rig away. Fisk says they need to seal off the areas with the mandrels so they can easily be hunted down, but Trist objects, requesting that they be instead tranquilized, citing the potential extinction of the species otherwise. Fist says that he will do what he thinks is best and then orders his men to kill the Doctor if he resists arrest. Elsewhere, Diamond is preparing to return to his ship and asks Trist if he should destroy it in order to prevent anyone finding out that they are the ones behind the drug smuggling. Trist says not to and that they should instead wait to see how things unfold. In the power unit, K-9 and Stott defend the Doctor and Romana from the mandrels as they finish their preparations for separating the ships. The Doctor tells Romana to go to the bridge to make sure that the power is set to maximum. And he then tells k to go to the TARDIS in order to activate the dematerialization machine that he set outside it when he orders him to do it. He reassures a worried Romana that he will set up a time delay on the power unit so that he will be far enough away when the ships separate. He then sends them away before finishing his repairs. After they leave, a mandrel that K-9 had earlier shot gets back up and attacks the Doctor. The mandrel destroys the Doctor's time delay switch, but the resulting explosion kills it. The Doctor then watches as the mandrel crumbles to a powdery substance, which the Doctor recognizes as being Vrax he then starts to repair the time delay switch, but fears that he won't get it done before the agreed-upon time for the others to do their parts. Meanwhile, Romana and Stott return to the lounge, and Romana sends Stott to go back and help the Doctor. She then makes her way to the bridge, being careful to avoid Fisk, Costa and their men. She arrives there and finds Rig, who is starting to come down from the so on High. He angrily demands that she give him more, and refuses to let her check the power settings. He attacks her, but is then killed by the newly-arrived Fisk. Romana goes to the power controls, but Fisk orders her to stay away, ignoring her attempts to explain to the doctor what the doctor is doing. Down in the power unit, the doctor finishes the repairs with moments to spare and then signals the others to do their parts. Romana ignores Fisk's threats and activates the power at the same time K9 activates the dematerialization machine. The doctor runs through the corridors as the ship begins to separate, but he suddenly disappears from existence. Part 4 The two ships successfully separate, and the resulting detachment causes Romana and Fisk to fall to the floor. Romanok recovers first and flees before Fisk can pursue. Diamond messages the bridge and says that everything is back to normal. Fisk asks what he's doing back on his ship, having believed him to be still on the Empress, but Diamond responds that he went to get weapons to help deal with the Mandrels. Fisk goes to check the ship's systems, and Diamond asks to be allowed to leave, saying that he will not press any charges for the collision. Fisk refuses, saying that he needs him as a potential witness for the inquiry, but Diamond insists that he has to go, otherwise he will lose his contract. However, Fist says that Diamond was at fault for the collision as he was in a prohibited area and says that he will issue a warrant for his arrest, forcing Diamond to agree to stay. Meanwhile, Romana returns to the TARDIS and asks Canine where the doctor is. Canine does a quick scan and says that he is no longer on the ship. Romana spots Della and approaches her, asking her what happened to Stott, saying that Triss tried to implicate both of them in the drug smuggling. Della says that when they were on Eden, she and Stott were finishing up a survey when he told her to go back without him. She then says that someone shot Stott, stunning him, and then she fled in terror due to the mandarins prowling around the area. She says that Trist told her Stott died, but Romana reveals that he is alive and well. Romana says that he is helping them find the source of the Brex Owen, and Della agrees to help however she can. Meanwhile, the Doctor wakes up on Diamond's ship and hides when he hears him approaching. He watches Diamond as he uses a computer screen, and then checks on it after Diamond leaves. He sees that it as a record of a profit margin, and the Doctor realizes that he is the one involved in the drug smuggling. He then follows Diamond to his shuttlecraft as he prepares to fly back to the Empress. Doctor hides inside and places himself in a form of suspended animation due to there being no air in the shuttle. Back on the Empress, Costa arrives at the bridge with Trist, and Fist asks him if there is any sign of the Doctor. Trist says that he thinks the Doctor is hiding in the Protection of Eden, explaining how the CET machine works to the confused lawmen. He explains his theory of the Doctor being part of the drug smuggling operation. Fist seems satisfied, but asks why would the Doctor put himself at risk to separate the ships, and Trist replies saying that it's because he is a criminal, echoing Fisk's earlier logic. Elsewhere, Della returns from searching the ship and says that she can't find the Doctor, but k says that he's just come on board and leads him to the entrance to the shuttle bay, where they take cover to avoid being seen by Diamond. After a few moments, the Doctor emerges and he explains what happened to him as the ship separated. Suddenly two guards appear and the Doctor and Romana flee as they give chase. However, K9 manages to stun one of them before retreating after the Time Lords, and the remaining guard takes Stella away with him to see Fisk. After they have gone, the Doctor reveals what he has learned on Diamond's ship, and as well as his discovery of another CET machine there. k says that he can detect movement ahead, and they suddenly see Stott appear as he tries to fend off a group of mandrels. The Doctor tells K9 to take over, and he explains everything that he has learned about Trist and Rex Sorry. The Doctor tells k to take over, and he explains everything that he has learned about Trist and the Rex to Stott. Meanwhile, Della and the guard are ambushed by a mandrel. The guard is killed and Della runs for the bridge where she sees Trist and Diamond putting on spacesuits. Della demands that Trist help the doctor get the mandrels back into the CET machine and he gladly offers to help. She then confronts him about Stott and says that she now knows that he is the one behind the wreck's smuggling. Trist says that he only did it so he could fund his conservation efforts and he takes no responsibility for the deaths of the people who took the drug. Della says that he murdered rig, but before he could say any more, a mandrel bursts in. Della escapes as Diamond and Trist use their weapons to stun the creature. Trist tells Diamond to go after her whilst he sabotages the ship's controls. Della flees through the corridors but is stopped by an approaching mandrel, which allows Diamond to catch up with her and stun her. He then flees when Romana and K-9 arrive, and Romana orders K-9 to go after him. However, the robot dog says that he must protect them and he stuns the approaching mandrel. Doctor then appears, having been vouched for by Stott to Fisk, and Romana tells him what happened. The doctor says that they must be preparing to transfer the projections from the CET machine to the one in Diamond's ship via the equipment he saw there. As Tristan and Diamond make their way to the shuttle bay, an announcement from Fisk comes over the intercom ordering their arrest. The doctor goes to the bridge and sees the damage control panel. He says that Tristan Diamond won't leave without the projection crystals and says that they can use to trap the criminals. Stott then leads the security forces on the ship in rounding up the mandrels. Just as their weapons begin to lose power, the doctor arrives and lures the mandrels on using his dog whistle. He leads him into the projection, but before he can get out, they swarm all over him, forcing him further inside. Fist tells Romana to switch off the projection, but she refuses. She then points to the projection and the Doctor emerges, his clothes ripped to shreds, and once he is clear, she turns it off. The Doctor then tells her that she has less than three minutes to properly rebuild the CET machine. As they work on it, a beam suddenly appears from the top of the machine, and Romana says that Trist has begun the projection transfer. The Doctor tells Ramad to reverse the transmutation setting on the CET, and asks K9 for the ship's coordinates. He then activates the CET, which causes the room to phase slightly before going back to normal. Fisk and Costa arrive and say that Diamond's ship has gotten away, but the Doctor says that he has already captured them. He points to the projection screen, in which a shocked Trist and Diamond are now trapped and looking out of, and he tells Fisk that he can arrest them. As they are led away, Trist appeals to the doctor's scientific mind to make him understand what he was doing, but the doctor coldly tells him to go away. Later, Della and Stott escort Dr. Roman and K9 back to the TARDIS. The doctor says that they will take all of the gathered environments that were scanned into the CET machine and return them home, saying that they can only hope that no one else discovers the mystery of the Rex Owen. End of the story. <laughs> so that is the story recap done and dusted we're now going to go over the trivia spot and see what Trish has got for us this week
0: cool so the air date for the nightmare of eden is the 24th of november to the 15th of december 1979 the writer of the story is bob baker as patty mentioned earlier mm-hmm. this is the last story of nine for bob the only one he hasn't done with co-writer dave martin uh, Their previous stories together were The claws of Axos, The Mutants, The Three Doctors, The Sontaran Experiments, The Hand of Fear, The Invisible Enemy, Underworld, and The Armageddon Factor. So we've kind of had a mixed bag, I think, from Bob and Dave. So it'll be interesting to see how this one lies.
1: Yeah, very mixed bag.
0: Hmm. I still just remember watching The claws of Axos with my mother. <laughs> being like, what the fuck am I watching? Jesus.
1: <laughs> of all uh, the stories to fucking watch for
0: her life. I don't... <laughs> Uh, the director of the story is Alan Bromley. This is the second and final story by Alan. We previously saw his work in The Time Warrior. I will say, we'll get into it a bit in a second, that Graham Williams also did directing work on this story. I'll get into that one second. The story had the working title of Nightmare of Evil, as opposed to Nightmare of Eden. I think either one could have worked. Nightmare of Evil just seems a bit redundant. I,
1: I, th- I think given the Given the reveal of mm. the Braxoan and what Racksoin is, I think Nightmare of Eden is a much more apt and powerful title. Yeah.
0: Um, according to accounts by the visual effects designer Colin Mapson and the assistant floor manager Val McCrimmon, Alan Bromley just didn't understand how to direct this program because Bear went, his last one was the time warrior which had mm. a couple of visual elements as in like visual effects elements but not that much mm. whereas this one was very heavily visual effects like the whole like the connection points between the ships the ship like, yeah. the view outside K k9s ray all of the stuff the jumpy in and out of eden much more complicated than what he'd done for the time Warrior. because i thought his direction of the time warrior was really good
1: oh it was amazing
0: um but apparently he didn't understand how to direct it efficiently and he wasn't interested in learning also apparently the cast and crew both had major issues with him right so he resigned from the project in the middle of principal photography so graham williams had to step in and finish out the directing now we had seen something like this before where Barry Letts had to step in. I think it was for Dougie Campfield. I think. Was that so. because like Dougie got sick?
1: Yeah, like, didn't Doug, Doug did Dougie have like a bit of a breakdown or something? Or was that a different director? I don't
0: know, I think I don't know, I think Dougie got sick or something happened to Dougie Campfield anyway, that Barry stepped in, but it wasn't a sort of like Dougie didn't storm off in the middle of No, no, no. Whatever. Whereas this seems like your man couldn't tack it, he was pissing off everyone. And so he left and Um, Graham Williams finished himself. When production finally wrapped, crew members were presented with t-shirts saying, I'm relieved the nightmare is over. Fair enough. Now, since we've never heard of them being given honorary t-shirts at the end of any other production, one can assume that it's more than just a play on the episode's title.
1: Yeah, well, I think the audio T-shirt related thing was the comeback. Bill All is forgiven. Yeah. T-shirts. Yeah. Also, I think the nervous break, uh, nervous breakdown director was, I think it was the guy during Reign of Terror, uh, for Hartnell. Did mm. Dean Hartnell kick off? Mm. I think it was him.
0: Yeah. Um, the images that are shown on the view screen, um, of like all the different planets, are actually recycled images of planet surfaces from the Space nineteen ninety nine episodes, the Full Circle. Guardian of Piri, and Matter of Life and Death. Doreen James was supposed to design the costumes but she'd quit <laughs> after a dispute with Lella Ward on City of Death which we talked about briefly when we were talking about that story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Vraxone was originally meant to be called Xylophilin or Zip as uh, Xylophilin spelt like X, Y or so, Xylophilin, like a xylophone?
1: Yeah I, I was, Xylophilin, I, was I suppose is
0: probably better. Yeah. Um or zip ZIP. Um but it was changed so as not to sound too appealing to children. Which apparently Lala Ward was like, yeah, no, d- don't make it sound like something they want to go find out. The continuous event transmuter or the CET machine was suggested, um, or rather was inspired by articles that Bob Baker had read concerning holograms. The idea of making a holographic projection of something. Um holograms have become a really big deal in sort of, you know, conversation and science fiction, starting like m- mid to late 1960s. Um, and certainly by 1979, I mean, we'd already had Star Wars at that point, you know, mm-hmm. we'd had other holograms and other science fiction shows. Graham Williams was initially concerned, understandably so, that the drugs plot was inappropriate for the show's time slot, because unlike some other stories we've seen, like, this wasn't subtext. This was text. Yeah. They were very blatantly obvious about what this was about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we'd seen that in the past with, particularly during Barry's era, around environmental issues. Mm, but I think this so, is the first time we've issues, seen right? drugs or anything like Because we've had drug, quote-unquote drugs, mentioned on the show before. But never have they been the forefront. Never have they been the main driving focus of the story. so I can understand, though, Graham might have been a bit concerned. Like this went out like, what, six, six 30.
1: This is probably definitely within Mary Whitehouse's wheelhouse, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, and, you know, going back to the stress of this particular nightmare. Um, Mm. it was after this, that both Graham Williams and Douglas Adams decided to quit, to quit the show. It was this one that sort of said, no, fuck it. We're done. We've what two more stories left this season. Yeah. Then we're out of here. On to our cast. So, Trist is played by Lewis Fiander as the only Doctor Who acting credit for Lewis. His non-who credits include The Genie from Down Under, Young Sherlock, The Mystery of the Manor House, That Beryl Marston, and Crown Court. Lewis passed away in 2016.
1: I used to watch Genie from Down Under.
0: Really? I d- yeah. It's not ringing a bell for me. The only Genie show I know is I Dream of Genie.
1: No, basically it's a Australian Genie and his young son.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's not quite as good as uh, Around the Twist, but it it's hmm. one of those good Australian kid shows.
0: Okay. Um, Rig is played by David Dacre, or David Daker. I'm pretty sure I pronounced, mispronounced his name the last time well.
1: I, I, I think we did the last time, but I suppose if you think about it, you know, like Baker, Daker makes pretty yeah. sense.
0: Um, this is the second and final on-screen appearance for David. We previously saw him as Iron Grodden in The Time Warrior. Mm-hmm. Diamond is played by Geoffrey Bateman, who is the only Doctor Who acting credit for Geoffrey. His non-who credits include Dixon of Doc Green, Zed Cars, Secret Army, Crown Court, The Legend of King Arthur, and King Lear. Della is played by Jennifer Lonsdale, who is the only Doctor Who acting credit for Jennifer. Her non-who credits include Further Pompeii, the XYY or XYY man, Comeback Mrs. Noah, The Cedar Tree, and That's My Boy. Stott is played by Barry Andrews. Only Doctor Who acting credit for Barry. His non-who credits include The Spy Who Loved Me, Dracula Has Risen From The Grave, Department S, and a favourite of mine and Paddy's, Gulliver and Lilliput. Again, if you haven't seen Barry Letts' version of Gulliver and Lilliput, <clears throat> you have to watch it. It's so good.
1: Also, if you haven't seen Alan Partridge's recount of the opening of The Spy Who Loved Me, you have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bisk is played by Jeffrey Hinsel. This is the second and final appearance for Jeffrey. We previously saw him as Jack Tyler in Image of the Fendal. And lastly, although we're not going to be discussing him, we have Peter Craze. This is the third and final appearance by Peter. We previously saw him in the Space Museum and the War Games. Now, given the timing for those, I don't think we mentioned... um, We may have mentioned the War Games. I checked Space Museum notes, didn't check War Games notes because I was being lazy. Um, Peter did pass away in December of 2020 hmm.
1: I know I, I think we might I I think we would probably discuss it in War Games because we remembered oh yeah he's Michael's brother
0: <laughs> yeah Um, I know we didn't discuss it in Space Museum because I yeah what well, usually happens when we have an actor who's been on the show before I'll go back to the episode like the first hmm. episode that they're mentioned in to see if I talk through their like previous acting credits and if I did I tend to not repeat myself <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. no one fucking wants to hear me repeating myself over again. Um, but yeah, I forgot great. to check War Games for Peter.
1: No, it's okay. So really, it's your first time. If, if this is your first episode listening, it's incentive to go back and listen to a other reviews.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's also Trisha's fucking lazy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Although one could argue, is it. Mm, more effort to go back into previous notes of my own to see if I'd ever mentioned someone's acting history, than just opening up their INDb page and copying out what they'd previously been in. Mm. <laughs> Six one half done the other. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah. Thus endeth the trivia. Cool.
1: thank you very much for the trivia interesting as always um uh, so now we're on to the, the next part of the podcast uh which is the character discussion so mm-hmm. we will be discussing as always the doctor his companions of romana and K Nine. we have a few prominent characters i have della rig fisk and stott
0: yep i agree
1: And then we have the villains of Diamond and Trist. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Every time I say Trist, I just think of, ooh, saucy. (laughs) (laughs) So, seeing as how you run out the socials at the start of the episode, you get to go first. Give me your thoughts on the Doctor.
0: I think we see a lot of classic fourth Doctor in this one.
1: Mm.
0: Wandering into an issue he knows nothing about, purely because he finds it interesting. Just impersonating people in authority that he's fucking made up <laughs> just because he wants to have a nose around mm-hmm. um you know he has for a lot of the story he has a lot of like that sort of attitude and whatever um one thing i did find in this one i don't know maybe it's just me he seemed to be even less communicative with his companions than usual or was that just me? Was just because they were separated a lot. Just that just like he wasn't communicating th- as much with them.
1: I think that's maybe a bit of a separate separation thing. That that's hmm. the way I read it, because there's there's also the added thing of where he trusts Romana to do what is like to essentially do what's supposed to be done. So like I don't think he's constantly having to check in or. But I think it's mostly the separation thing.
0: Yeah, I think it's just there wasn't as many.
1: Interactive moments. I think
0: it's because he was mostly alone for his aha moments. Yeah. That it didn't feel like he was sharing that information as much as he
1: usually would. Mm. No, yeah. No, I I can see where you'd get that. But again, it's just a separation thing. Yeah.
0: Um, I did actually really like his whole reaction to the Owen thing. Mm. Um, I always think, like, angry and indignant Doctor is usually funny because he's usually angry and indignant over fucking stupid things. But I do think it is always the best when it's a real issue and a real response. Yeah. Like, the way he was with Trist at the end. He Like, oh, the way he was so just like, good. get out. Or go away like, or whatever whatever it was yeah, he said. No,
1: yeah, it was go away. And like he's like, he's not even looking at him and he just says it so quietly. It's like, go away. Yeah. It, it, it's like, you know, the way that they talk about um, the scene from, we'll eventually get to it, but the David Tennant story about, you know, mm-hmm. like the the fury of the Time Lord. like yeah. That's just that cold anger. This is the the groundwork for it here. Well, yeah. we've seen it on Earth Times, but here's, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the difference between this one and, like, because my other favorite example of that from Tom in recent seasons is Pirate Planet. When he fucking loses his fucking... Oh but plot, what's you're it meant.
1: for yeah
0: yeah that i still think is fantastic i think it's probably my favorite like that sort of for me is right up there with the do i have the right speech
1: hmm.
0: um i don't think this one didn't hit me quite on that level because he was quiet and whatever but like i didn't it's not quite at the fear of a time lord just yet it's there like the the groundwork is there for us but he seemed more like disappointed.
1: I, I think like it's like it's two different scenarios because mm. here we're presented with like as you say it's a real world issue mm. and he's just like it's just more so of disgust than anything. Like, mm. get out of my sight. Whereas with um Pirate Planet it was like going, What the fuck are you doing all of this for? Like what is the end goal? Like, yeah. What, yeah and like it's just like the pure heartbroken exasperation of, yes.
0: like I said, yeah. both are great personally I like the fire yeah. planet a little bit more oh, Um, yeah, like. in terms of that reaction but like this reaction was great because Tom plays it so like I said there's this sense of disappointment and don't you dare try and use science oh, to fucking yeah, yeah. explain what it is you did yeah do you know but like as opposed to him riling against him he's just like I'm not going to engage with you anymore you you don't deserve engagement mm-hmm. on this anymore um, I do think Dom, Dom I do think Tom did quite well with this story particularly when you consider the apparent nightmare their production was mm-hmm. um, there's one or two decisions in relation to the doctor that I didn't quite agree with but I'll get to that more when we talk companions and when we get to overall thoughts because i don't think it's necessarily the doctor as such it's not necessarily tom's performance there's a couple of weird things in the script that i think just fit better with other people's discussions
1: um yeah i think i i think i might know one of them and i agree that that's kind of more of a comment for me personally as an overall mm-hmm. thing because yeah. it's yeah, yeah it's a direction thing more so than the character thing
0: yeah but what about you
1: uh, no, I agree. I this is a really strong doctor story, it's a really strong Tom story. Um, one thing I will say is though, like, it's very hard to ask someone to trust you when the very first thing you do is lie to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I like how after that he is up front with the ones he knows he can trust, primarily Stott and Rig. Mm. Um, Really enjoyed his relationship with Rig. Really, really mm. enjoyed it, and like we'll we'll get more into it when we talk about Rig. But David Dacre like as Iron Grand, we said was fantastic. Yeah. here another great performance. Another great yeah, performance.
0: I, we'll get him when we get to him. But like I didn't recognize him for like the first episode or two, and I was like, no, but he's so familiar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who the hell is he? Yeah. And if I had to look him up because I was like, it's fucking yeah. out.
1: But um, no, like so, really good relationships with like, really good character interactions here. Like, you know, mm. just, again, um, just Tom being on top form. Uh, as we talked about, you know, that, just that cold disappointment slash anger mm. over, like, your know, Trist's whole thing. And, but, like, what I did enjoy was, like, just the, um, there's some other aspects here, like, you know, in the sense of, why should the mandrels be eradicated? Like, they yeah. should have a chance at life. It's not their fault that they can be cultivated for mm. this fucking drug, you know? Mm. Um.
0: Get out of my notes, by the way. I, I just, again, I was I can see, the, get the fuck
1: out. I was only in there for the fucking trivia.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. You're in my doctor notes, get out.
1: <laughs> I'm just, I, well, I'm out of it now, because I, um, I was only in for the trivia part. But anyway. Um, bullshit, I was going... Uh, um. Sorry, no. I like that the the mm. whole they have the right to life speech. I enjoyed that. Mm. Um, it's it's a great investigation story for the doctor. Yeah, yeah. So, and as he does a really really good job of selling, we've talked about how Tom is really good at selling the threat. Mm. He's and he sells the threat of the wax the Vraxone really well here. Yeah, no, I agree. Ra- Romana does her part to do it as well. But he he really does a good job of it. And the Raxone reminds me of um you know, Serenity, the, mm. the 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 what they tried on that planet, which was like the the emotion control. Yeah. And like how people just eventually just blissed away, and then there was mm. that subsect that became the Reavers. Uh, here it's kind of similar spoilers
0: for Serenity by the way <laughs> oh yeah
1: fuck it <laughs> well let me tell you about the guy that was a leaf on the wind <laughs> <laughs> um, but here it's kind of the same thing this is what you know, the Vraxone does it gets you to that blissful state and the minute you no longer have a ready supply of it it essentially fucking kills you by pure anger um, yeah
0: and I think I agree with you that I think the, I think Tom and the Doctor you know mm. via Tom um sold it really well i think having romana have a similar response though mm. cements that because the doctor yes. has can have weird reactions to fucking anything um but the fact that he has this major reaction and romana is right there with him mm. having the same reaction like when he's like "Oh, Vraxone, blah, blah, and she's like what vrax owen mm.
1: i thought like, they destroyed the planet like
0: like what the fuck like what so i think that was a nice sort of play-by-play like with the two of them like it hit with the doctor and then it really hit when romana was doing it as well mm,
1: yeah um so no it this is i think it's probably been a while since we've seen like this good of a performance from tom
0: I, i'd agree i'd yeah. agree i think this type of story though and these types of interactions are the ones where tom really excels though
1: hmm yeah like I think, yeah. Like the, the last recent weeks, like we like we've said, there's some good stuff, but also there's some stupid stuff there as well. Yeah. Like you know, some say stuff, or like stuff that we don't agree with. That we think the doctor would like is right on doctor. Like here, no, this is you you can kind of imagine that this is back in the days of Hinchcliffe, you know? Yeah,
0: I agree.
1: Cool. So now we have our two lovely companions. Mm. So we have yeah, bestest boy K nine. Uh, and then we have Romana. So who do you want to do first?
0: Uh, Let's do K9 first. Um, Okay. So we spoke last week about how K9 has a different voice. Mm -hmm. It's really just not the same. Um, I thought that maybe like last week, it was just like the jarringness of him not being John. But like, Mm. it's really not the same. The snarky comments don't hit the same. And the sort of fear and, but I don't want to go through the thing because mm-hmm. like, it's damaging. Like they just don't hit the same, and they don't seem as cute without John's voice doing it. And again, this is no slight slight, slight on your man. It's just he's yeah. a different voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am finding it really weird because I'm like, that's that's not K nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, that being said though, I did like the use of K-9 in the story for the most part. Again, Mm -hmm. I have something I'll discuss in my overall. Um, I think they made good use of him for the most part. We find out that his you know, metal cutter is the same as his kill ray and stun ray. They're all red. Mm -hmm. But his welder is blue. blue. Good to know. Um, which like, I don't think it's really surprising that this was like, you know, K-9 had a lot to do in the story. It was written by Bob. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, who was obviously going to give K-9 stuff to do and because it all took place on a ship yeah, there's no limit of... to K-9 being able to do things.
1: Yeah, it, was, it was written by Bob and it had a lot of flat surfaces.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, so all all in all, I mean, like I said K-9 the character good use of the character in the story mm. Used when needed, have a little bit about not being used to certain parts, um. But I'm still just finding it weird. I find it weird. Mm. How about you?
1: I uh, know I agree, I and mean, it's one of these things where I think we'll just have to kind of definitively. Like we have two more stories, but we kind of have to definitively state now that it it's a case of we can still appreciate everything that the character does, mm. but it hits on a completely different level. And we won't have that same level of of love for this iteration, yeah. Like, be- like, or because? Like, well, it, I doubt. I
0: doubt we will. We might do. Who, who knows? It might yeah, be surprising yeah. the stories, but
1: um, it. Oh no! Sorry, like we we have yeah. Well, it's two more stories of David, and then it's yeah. back to John, and then it's back to John. Yeah. Um And it's like because again, because as we said, like it's the same Mark. It's it's mm-hmm. Mark two. Um. Oh, but you know, I think what it is is that by by injecting a bit more, um, shall we say, personality into the voice,
0: mm.
1: he's removed a lot of the character.
0: Yeah, I will say that, like comparing this week to last week, and I've forgotten your man's name. Is it David?
1: David Bryerly, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He comes across less beauty he seems to be trying more this episode mm-hmm. to get like the modulation, the same way John did to make it a bit more robotic. Like John, John walked this very interesting line between robotic and, Oh, it was a cute doggy.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> he walked a very fine line between the two of them. And I think in this one, David was trying to get, cause like last week just seemed like he was like a, a guy yeah. talking it through a radio. Um, Whereas he seemed to be trying to get more of that modulation in. Mm -hmm. It just isn't hitting the same emotional beats, I don't think. And maybe this would be interesting, actually. Maybe it's just you and me because we're so used to Jon. Because, like, obviously he's been canine up to now. We know he'll be canine in the future. We've seen those episodes with him in the future. It would be interesting, like, if there's someone who hasn't seen any of the previous episodes and they watched this week or last week what their emotional connection to k9 would be having not heard john do the voice before
1: hmm. actually and that's just kind of it, it's an interesting point because i just want to look up something there um give me a second go as i'm looking i'll continue mm. with, with my uh, with my comments and stuff um there's, what i like about the character is that he still bickers back and forth with the doctor over mm you know the logic of an action taken or the percentage of it actually working out you know yeah um there was also a few times here as well which i quite enjoyed of k9 acting like a dog mm. like you know when he goes like this is Stott, he's a friend and you just hear k9 sniff as if to kind <laughs> <That was laughs> like you yeah, put him into like you know okay you are now registered as friend <laughs> um but i also liked how you know, Romano was saying, like, oh, go get go stop him, K9, stop him. And he was like, No, the priority is to make sure that you are safe and yeah. he fights off the ma- uh, the mandrels. So I quite like that. Mm. Um the no, the thing you were raising there about someone that um may not have listened to any John Leeson, but this is their version of K9. Uh, our good friend Paul from the Half Measures podcast. Mm. Uh when we talked about um Guy that took over from Michael Wisher for Davros. Mm. You know, he uh, left a comment, which uh, was to, uh, for him, uh, he said, one point regarding the Terry Malloy-Davros conversation. Growing up in the 80s means he's the Davros that always looks and sounds and feels like the real Davros. Um, He said, loves Wisher and Bleach's performances too, but Malloy opposite the fifth, sixth and seventh incarnations to him is perfection. Mm. So there we have just again, sometimes it's who you encounter first. Yeah. Sometimes it's the stories and how that person impacts on the story.
0: Yeah. I think as well, like part of it for me might be because I've met John Leeson twice and when you meet him at cons, he talks to you in the canine voice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you know? I sort,
0: of, I, I sort of just have this emotional connection to John as a person.
1: But it's not even like you're that because I've never met the guy. Mm. But it's just... There's something, there's something, like, I think I'm much more emotionally attaching to a character that is, like, robotic imitating life, like, imitating mm. life, than like, what David is trying to do, you know?
0: Which is life imitating robotics. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. I, I think, yeah.
1: Um, like, no, it, it, it's always an interesting, it is an interesting uh, concept to bring up, you know? Mm. Um. Cool. So, will we? Move? Um, I don't have any other points. Um, uh, other than to say, the character of Canine is still as consistently great as he always is. Yes. Arguably. It's just, it's just difficult, I think, to have that same connection. The connection has wobbled a small bit. You know? yeah. yeah. Um. Cool. So, um, on to Romana.
0: Another one who's not quite the same. Um. Mm. I'm not really sure about Romana in this one to be honest. Um a couple of positives. I mm-hmm. loved her connection with Della. I thought yeah. that was great. I loved their scenes together. Um and I loved how like they were like, the two of them were looking out for each other, mm-hmm. you know? And like we said like when Romano 1 was first introduced that she had this sort of cold ice queen nature. She didn't really pay attention to or care that much about, like, lesser beings, as it were, Mm. and how she grew to change over time. And here we can really see that, you know, um, Romana doesn't ever judge Della for what she does. She doesn't judge Della for her past relationship with Stott. Like, she clearly knew from the minute Della spoke that there was something there, but she never judged her for it. And she supported her for it, and she comforted her with that, which I thought was was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get a bit of, again, you know, her reaction to the Owen. Mm-hmm. Again, like we said, you know, having another Time Lord have that same reaction is really, really strong for getting the point across. And we do get bits of her intelligence, I'm willing to say. Mm-hmm. However, I don't think her d- intelligence was displayed as much as I would like. So we have her in her initial, oh, it's a like, oh, it's this is a CET. Oh, but it's this, this, this. this. She has a bit of that there. And she's a little bit at the end where she's like, you know, oh, we have a much better way of putting these back where they need to go in our ship, yeah. like whatever. But there were a couple of moments where I'm like, this was meant to be showing her intelligence and Directing choice, writing choice, I'm not sure, but like for example, at the end where the doctor's like, Romana, you have two minutes and fifty seconds you need to rebuild this from scratch. And she's wastes about fifteen seconds being like, What? What are you on about? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And then when it cuts to the two minutes, fifty seconds later, it looks like the doctor's the one who's doing it. Mm-hmm. And Romana doesn't understand what she's rebuilt and what she's doing and why. And I'm like, Okay either she's smart enough to dismantle this thing and rebuild it to be whatever he needs it to be, or she's not smart enough to understand what his plan is, and therefore she's just the assistant. Which one is it? Mm. <laughs> Do you know? Because when he was like, you know, oh, Romana, you've got two minutes and 48 seconds to rebuild this, I was like, great, here we go. We're going to see her like, actually see her use her intelligence and see her in like the scientific way. And I... I I don't think they did that. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? The fact that, like, at the end, he was like, turn the thingy or activate the thingy. And she's like, What? What do you mean? And I'm like, Surely, if you've rebuilt the thing, you have some idea of what it is he's trying to do. It's incredibly fucking obvious what he's trying to do. You can't be this dumb. And also, like, earlier when he was in the power room and, like, she checked the cable and she's like, Yeah, it's the right cable. He's like, Are you sure? She's like, Oh, let me check again. Oh, no, I was wrong. It's not the right cable. This is. I'm like, come on, like, do you know? Like, either pick a lane. Do you know? Um, she did also seem quite damsily in this story. Um, like the whole her getting shot with a weird white thing. What the fuck was
1: that? No, I think it was just like a bug fucking stung her, but like it had no bearing on the rest of the fucking story. No, no
0: like what the fuck was that? Um, also in the scene we're in the power room the doctor is setting up the thing Mm -hmm. a mandrel comes out of nowhere canine saves the day yay canine mandrel falls over Romana is freaked which is allowed she's allowed to be freaked Mm -hmm. out right she's only a time lady she's allowed to be freaked out but then she's like humming and hawing about how to like like, don't jump the mandrel you donkey just walk around it (laughs) But both going to check the cable and on the way back, she makes this big song and dance about jumping over the mandrel. I'm like, we can see the rest of the floor, my love. Walk around it. (laughs) Like, what the hell? And then the last one I have, which is a bit strange for me, was... um, And we'll talk about this more, I think, when we talk about Rig, But when Rig was coming at her... Hmm lie Romana say there's Braxo in in the bathroom like yeah. whatever Like, you can't be that dumb to not see that he's coming off of a high all he wants is another fix you saying let me do this and then I'll get you medical attention I'm like just lie Romana Just, mm. just lie say that there's some in the cupboard and then lock them in the cupboard or something <laughs> now, that's probably me being a bit overly bitchy but I'm just like just lie like because the scene went on for so long mm. I was like okay you've tried you've tried you've... just lie now just, just make it up like I said say it's in the toilet whatever yeah um But yeah so for me it was I wasn't quite sure because I said I loved her stuff with Della I thought it was fabulous mm. But again, with her intelligence, they're not quite sure how to hit that, which is very annoying mm. for a second iteration of a character. Yeah. How about you?
1: Um. So, uh, the first thing, jumping over the mandrels. Um. There's a. It reminds me of there's a bit in the show Arrested Development, where like they're after finding a sh- like a shark and Henry winkler who played fonzie in happy days mm-hmm. you know he's very famous for the, the whole jumping the jump shark, shark thing mm-hmm. yeah so there's a bit he's on the pier and he's like right i'm going to go to breakfast and he just does this little woohoo jump over the shark that's on the fucking thing and it's like every time i um saw romana because i watched the story twice once for the recap and then once for um just story purposes uh that's all that came into my head um I will say one thing. Lala hmm. Ward seems much more comfortable in the role now. I would agree. That's true. Yeah. Uh, because obviously last week we, you know, we had our issues with, but then we discovered that that was the first story she shot and it hmm. wasn't written for Lala Ward. It was written for Mary Tam. Hmm. And then we had, so if you take that out of it and then you go back to Destiny of the Daleks, she's still trying to find her signature style. The City of Death, again, it's like, kind of like a 2.0 version like Mm. you know here i think yeah she's much more comfortable in the role here Mm.
0: um
1: the intelligence side of things as you as you said it's it's inconsistent like at the start she says like oh no no it's a simple uh, process to remove the ships we can just do this this and this you know so she has that side of things uh then as you pointed out yeah there's you know the dangers of the CET machine talking to Trist um then it kind of everything takes a backseat to you know being the doctor's uh, scrub nurse you know <laughs> screwdriver screwdriver mm-hmm. um although no to give her credit she was the one that suggested attaching K9 to the CET machine to boost its power
0: do we give her credit for recognizing a battery
1: i region here, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to come across as impartial because in a while I probably really won't. <laughs> um, one th- while, yeah. Like, again, it's just this inconsistent portrayal of the one story. Hmm. And but then again, like it's it's Bob. Like so, I don't think it should be fucking uh, strange. Cause, no. cause
0: we say that right.
1: But Bob himself is very inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Bob's written some fucking dingers. He's written some amazing ones,
1: yeah.
0: and he's written some fucking clunkers as well. well.
1: Okay, no, we actually we actually raised the point last week, which we said mm. this is the first story he did without Dave. Yeah. So when we get to the overall, we can we we say like we think, well, we'll determine like, who was the fucking anchor to this whole thing. Like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> um. So, like, it comes across as quite damaging, but at the same time is willing to take a fucking potential bullet from Fisk just to make sure she's hitting the power button at the right time, you mm. know? Because Fisk is fairly trigger-happy. So yep. she's running an awful fucking gamble there of becoming, oh, who will next play Romana? <laughs> um, so there was uh, that side of things. Um, there, and like, no, as you said, great interactions with Della. Really, really good. And it's in a sort of like a, like we're in this together type thing. But then, when addressing other characters, it was like she was doing an impression of the Doctor. You know, there was just mm. this sort of, um, as no, it's not, it's not arrogance. It, but it is an impression of, I'm more intelligent than you.
0: Yeah, and like Mary did that a bit as well, but I don't know. There was something about the way I think the way maybe I th- Mary think, carried herself. It didn't th- come across the same way.
1: I think the way that Mary did it, she did a bit of with a, with a fucking cheeky grin. You know, mm. there was a bit of a, I'm fucking just, you know, putting the piss out of you here. Whereas with Lala, it comes across like the, you know, teacher walks out of the room. Okay, you're in charge while I'm gone type fucking shit. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: uh, now, there's one thing here, and it I left it out of the... Um, the actual the recap, because it just didn't fucking sit well. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it just So the Doctor's big thing of like, you know, we'll take, rec- hopefully no one will ever discover the horrible location, you know, curse and location of Rex Owen. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, with no fucking precursor whatsoever, Romana says, I can think of only one animal who would comfortably be at home in an electric zoo. Della asks really? What's that? And Romana says, I don't think we want to tell them, do we canine? Negative mistress. And I was me-
0: surprised this, like I was, because I usually get a lot of our trivia from the um, Tardis fandom wiki, right? Yeah. Again, I'm lazy. Um, but I'm doing you a favour, so you don't have to, um. No, no,
1: we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. There we go. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> People have done this research before. Work yeah. smarter, not harder. Um, <laughs> I was expecting there to be a trivia point but this weird fucking thing. Like, was it meant to be a fourth wall break? Because K-9 is sort of angled like he's talking to the audience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, what the fuck is that meant? Like, do you mean that, like, you're TV show characters? So you're in an electric zoo? Is mm-hmm. is that what you meant?
1: Or is it you taking another fucking dig at humanity? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like, is it the fact that, like, we watch television, we watch people living their lives on a screen as opposed to going out and living our own? Is that it? It's just the fact that we put things in zoos in general, which I personally disagree with. But,
1: uh,
0: like, it was such a weird closer. Because to cause the, I, I, it's the last line of the episode.
1: <laughs> and I, I was, like, going, like, like, I don't know what it is. Is Is it is it meant to be, as you said, it's like a fourth wall reflection break, which is like, yes, we're talking about you. Or is it some sort of weird fucking dig at as i said humanity or whatever it is but it's like you give the doctor this very fucking poignant like you know, keep watching the skies type fucking mm. um ending and then it's like oh yeah by the way <laughs> like, what the, I, it, it, like, as the ending to it it literally comes out of nowhere there's no setup to it as a joke it's yeah. just like, you know, like, know, like it's almost like, you know, I have to have the last word. And it's like, it makes, like, it just didn't, it fucking makes no sense. Like, I can't think of anything as to where it would come from.
0: Yeah, because again, it's the case of, like, is it meant to be a fourth wall break?
1: Yeah. Because if it is, it's badly done. Yeah, it's very badly done. because we're questioning
0: if that's what it was
1: like how about like if if it's a fourth wall break how about you have it come from a character that can actually fucking visualize that it's a fourth wall break (laughs) um and if it's not it's just fucking again weird Potentially, kind of racist, <laughs> depending on who it's if it's aimed at the fucking human humans in the show. Is um,
0: is it meant to be canines an electric dog? So he'd like to be in an electric zoo. I
1: boogaloo. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just weird. And like, I and that's why I was like, "Am I leveling this against Romana, or am I leveling it against like it's a really bad line on the fucking script?"
0: I would say. It's a bit of both. Yeah. I think it was a weirdly written line by Bob. And a weirdly delivered line by Romana. And a weirdly Mm. directed line by Alan or Graham.
1: I'd say Graham, because I'd say Alan would probably fucked off at this.
0: He probably fucked off at this one, (laughs) that's true. Um But yeah, I think it was just overall just weird. Yeah. (laughs) It was weird. Shall sure, we move on to a prominent character or something? Yes,
1: yes we should. So we have Della, Rig Fisk and Stott. So what order do you want to do them in?
0: Shall we do them that order, sure. Okay. Poor Della. Right from the off, I felt bad for her and I didn't know why. And then as we find out more and more of like their backstory, I was just like, oh, you poor Petal. Like, the way Trist was gaslighting her. Hmm and then was more than willing to throw her under a bus was horrific when clearly she respects him a lot like even at the end she's still like you know i know he did this terrible thing but he really was about the conservation that's what he really was about Hmm. um and i just felt so bad for her and like the fact that she like when romana revealed that stott was alive and she was like I knew it. I knew there was a face looking out at me. Mm. And I'm going to talk about that when we talk about Stott in a while, but I was like, that's just heartbreaking. Like, she thinks that this guy that she admits she had a relationship with died on this planet. This planet that she'll forever have this window into. But she thinks that he's gone, mm. which is devastating. Only then to find out that your boss or whomever is the guy who shot and potentially killed, but you didn't know that the guy that you had feelings for he's using your work to smuggle the most horrific drug in the known universe and he was willing to A, shit on the memory of your former partner and then throw you under a bus
1: Hmm.
0: it's like what the hell (laughs) um So yeah, my initial thing is just poor Della. Um, What I love, though, is that, like I said it with Romana, I loved her and Romana together. I love how she never once questioned that Romana was on her side. She never once thinks that Romana Uh. is drug running. She never once thinks that Romana is lying to her or out Mm. to get her, which was great. There was no cattiness or bitchiness between the two of them it was a purely supportive friendship which i thought was very very good and to us i just hope she and Stott are happy together hmm. because yeah. she deserves some fucking happiness for fuck's sake <laughs> how about you um yeah like it's
1: like at one point in time you're gonna you're thinking like is is that just like that character that just happens to be there but doesn't really kind of deliver anything of substance and then you kind of realize you can take a look at Della in two ways is one she's the audience's like vehicle Mm. for the story because she's thrown into the fucking thick of things and she doesn't understand what's going on and she's looking for anyone that can be give her like a fucking bit of buoyancy you know Mm. and then you're like as you said yeah she is a pawn in a game that she doesn't even know that's being played yeah and like yeah like there's it's nice to see that there's never just once of this whole thing of like you know you tricked me before, how do I know that I can trust you again, and all this type of stuff, mm. and nor does like yes, Trist is her benefactor, is the leader of the expedition renowned scientist, but she she can accept that maybe there is something shady about him, like she doesn't mm. trust him blindly, you know, yeah, it's not the whole thing you know, he's the most fucking brilliant scientist of his age, and you know? like how could you possibly say this against him um and by the end of it, you're really hoping that she makes it true. Like you're, mm. you're, you're, you're rooting for Della, like whatever else about the other characters. And like, like we can discuss like some fucking mm. things probably when it comes to rig, um, whatever else about anyone else, like you're hoping to to fucking Christ that Della makes it true. Yeah. Because if Della goes like, that's the emotional fucking punch that mm. might be one punch too many for this story.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um,
1: yeah. So, no, she's a... She is an enjoyable character to have on screen, and it's a really good performance, I think.
0: Mm. Very much so. Uh, it's nice as well to give the female companion another woman to work off of. Yeah. Of a, Obviously, Romana is however many years old, mm. but of a visually comparable age.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you know? Um, that they both have someone to lean on and to talk to is is always nice to see because a lot of times we don't have that many female characters. No we don't. And we don't have a lot of primary female characters or a lot of primary female characters who aren't evil or old. Mm. Or killed off in the first five minutes.
1: So Nightmare of Eden passes the Bechdel test.
0: <laughs> uh, hmm. I don't know if it passes the Bechdel test because most of their conversations are about men.
1: But I thought it was, wasn't it about men in a romantic setting, or does it have? To, or
0: I don't know. I need to I need to look up the the definition. depends. Yeah. Like, it's actually very difficult to
1: to have define.
0: women pass have something pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. Just because, like, my person. Okay. Random tangent, which is my issue with does it pass the Bechdel test? is we'll take Star Trek TNG right Mm -hmm. everyone was saying that Deanna and Beverly rarely have scenes together that pass the Bexel test and there are certainly not scenes of them on their own Mm -hmm. that pass the Bexel test even in Picard their reunion they were talking about Jack right? and my thing is guess what I talk to my female friends about We talk about our love lives. That's called life. Mm. (laughs) Do you know? We talk about other shit as well. Completely fucking random shit. But, for example, ever since Picard season three started to air, me and my other best friend, Vicky, spend at least 50% of every conversation talking about Tostatic. That doesn't mean we're not strong, independent feminist women. It means Vicky has a serious thing for Dan Stash. Jesus
1: Christ, she fucking does! Like,
0: um, okay. To pass the Bechdel test, a uh, movie or whatever it has to meet three criteria. The film must have, or whatever, must have at least two male, two female characters whose names the audience knows. Mm-hmm, Take, we have. At some point, they must speak to one another. Yeah. And the conversation has to be about anything besides a man that's it okay now
1: that's technically speaking
0: they do talk about the machine but they're also mm. talking about Trist.
1: or stuff when
0: or... they're talking about the machine although I suppose like when Romana came to after being knocked out how are you I'm fine thanks yeah, yeah. um but although this person's like That's the whole test. It sounds bizarrely simple. And it's like, yeah, it is. And there should be more conversations of women talking about things like science and plot and whatever. No, they shouldn't be penalized for having normal fucking conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And again, no, like, to I, me, I will,
0: I will get off my soapbox now.
1: No, but to me as well, like the kind of thing about it depends on the context of what you're talking about. If you're talking about him and a romantic interest, like then, okay, yeah, I see where that point's coming from. But if the person is involved with a plot point that doesn't have anything to do with a relationship or sex or anything like that, then I think it should be fucking fine.
0: Yeah, or like, just sorry, just going back to the Star Trek example. Um, The episode where Worf, ethics, Hmm. where Worf fucked up his back and he wanted to kill himself because whatever. Yeah. And there was this other doctor Mm -hmm. who wanted to perform the surgery and Beverly's like, no, you're a fucking radical person. Get the hell away from my patient. By this definition, that probably doesn't pass the Bechdel test because most of their conversations are about Worf. Mm even though it's about Worf's medical issues it's about Worf and again a lot of the conversations between Deanna and Beverly they're both medical practitioners of a sort they're the only two women after E.R. leaves that we really have major interactions Mm -hmm. with and so they could be talking about Data's mental capacities or Georgie's mental capacities they're Mm -hmm. doing their job Mm -hmm. because they're talking about men doesn't count fuck off (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh. So, moving on to a man now. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, backdoor <Bechdel laughs> testing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, we'll, I think we'll do Fisk more so than Rig because we'll build is, a web. Yeah, I think Rig is a much more impactful character. Yeah. So,
0: thoughts on Fisk? Fisk, you total utter asshole. Right. <laughs> Fisk is one of these people who he has more power than sense.
1: Mm.
0: Yes, let's just kill these people without actually talking to them first. We have absolutely zero physical evidence. We have a minute reading of something. We have zero physical evidence that they're doing the drug trafficking. And we only know that drug trafficking is a thing because the doctor, and I would like to point this out, the girl he knew her fucking name he just chose not to use it
1: mm-hmm.
0: mentioned it the only reason you know anything about drugs on this ship is because they mentioned it because obviously <laughs> fucking Diamond wasn't going to mention it or Diamond mm. or whatever his name is um, so there's that we see that he all he sees here is an opportunity for promotion do you know, all these people are dying on the ship and he's like, if we save the day, we'll get promotion. This is fucking um, and he's so quick to respond with the uh-uh, uh-uh, you failed, you, fa- you tried to do a thing and it didn't work, even though he doesn't understand what it was they were trying to do. Mm. I'm like, oh, you don't Does he get some redemption points by the fact that, like, he, um, you know, called Diamond on his shit? and was like hey you know for all that they're saying and for all that fucking rig has gone off the fucking reservation completely um rig's not wrong you were in an unauthorized unsanctioned area of space so no you don't get to leave until you and i get to have a proper conversation about what you're doing there does he get some redemption points for that Mm. maybe like a quarter of a point because he was doing it to be a dick, but he was he was right. Like, he was right to call it out, but he only called it out because he's a dick.
1: Yeah, but then again, like he's you know, he's calling out to be a dick, and also because he's a company shill. Like you know, mm. and like this this company is the fucker power of life and death over its employees. Yeah, really Yeah, yeah. You can tell what I'll be watching after this. Mm. Uh, but
0: yeah, Asshole. But that's, yes. that's my definition of Fisk.
1: Um, Fisk reminds me of a of a lie. Okay, you've never seen The Usual Suspects.
0: I've seen bits of it, but never the whole in thing. order or context. Okay, fair enough.
1: Uh, has it been spoiled for you? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> fuck's
0: sake. I wouldn't say it's been spoiled for me. I, I have no desire to watch the film, but I know okay. how it ends.
1: Okay, that's great. So there's a line in the movie which it comes from one of the characters and I've always had a problem with this fucking line. He says, you know what I was taught on my first day in the force, how to spot a murderer. You mm-hmm. put a group of men and you put a group of suspects into a room and whoever's sleeping, that's your man. Because, you know, he's no, he's been caught. And I'm like, that's a really bad fucking logic. Like, because, I'm sorry, I've been nervous as hell over shit before. You've known me to be nervous over as hell as shit before. I fall asleep because I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like, or you have narcolepsy. Yeah exactly like, so that's an incredibly <laughs> fucking flawed logic and like don't get me wrong i really enjoyed that character in the whole, in the fucking movie and, and it's like act, but that's a dumb line it, from an intelligent character it's a really fucking dumb line um but and here it's the same thing you know like and, and I, I know that Trist is trying to throw him off the path at, at that side. case okay, so why would the, like why would he like f- like, yeah, sabotage the machine. It's because he's a criminal. That's what he does. And then he asks. And then Fisk later on goes, like, if he was trying to escape, why would he take the effort to save everyone? I like, can, you know, pause and like, separate the ships. Oh, because you said yourself, he's a criminal. You're right. He is a criminal. Like, <laughs> like, you're like you're like a fucking idiot. I I'd hate to I'd hate to him to be like an arresting detective because it's he won't investigate he'll go with whatever is the easiest option you know mm. it's it's like you know um <laughs> he could come up on someone that is like covered in blood and still has the knife in his hand and the sending over the body it's like he's the guy that did it i just removed the knife to try and save the person type shit um like i don't think i would ar- argue maybe like I, like 0. 0.00025 of a fucking credit for his whole thing of stopping him. Um, it is lucky that none of the main or supporting cast were shot by him because of his incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason he's I mean, not a villain. The fact that he
0: goes on about like 12 people are dead and 26 are injured. This mm. is great. We're going to get a fucking promotion. Like,
1: yeah. I say the reason he's not a villain is because he's, he's incompetent. That's mm-hmm. all. That's the way that's keeping him in. Prominent character section. Yeah. <laughs> Just, fuck's sake. Uh, right. Let's move on to more competent people. <laughs> do we talk about the sad one or the happy one?
0: Uh, I'm assuming the happy one is Stott, right? Yes. Yeah. Then we'll do Stott first.
1: Okay, cool. What are your thoughts on Stott?
0: Um... A bit too much personal information, but given your warning, kind of pissed Stott Wasn't a bad guy, besides, but um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it'd be so much easier.
0: <laughs> he gets airlocked or something. Yeah, uh, but no, that's fine. Um, I think Stott is interesting mm. because, like, I get that he doesn't fully know who he can trust. Do you know, he knows that Trist is smuggling and he doesn't know who else but like the fact that he stays in on Eden mm. but does like the creepy stalker thing I was looking out between the leaves and he watches Della from inside the projection like what the fuck are you, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> and the fact that like he was hiding out in the projection I know he was saying that he was trying to find the source of the Owen or whatever but like when he finally revealed himself I was so fucking confused because <laughs> I was like okay Stott didn't die he was trapped in the thing I was like okay that but I understood but the fact that Stott was also the guy who shot the doctor and took the Vrex Owen, mm. and he was also the guy who attacked the doctor again and was running through the passenger Mm -hmm. compartments i'm like what's your plan my dude like what are you doing (laughs) my plan is to be everywhere all at once um on the other side of that though like i think that was just weirdly written like creating suspense and then oh the character you thought was evil is actually the nice guy i think it was just badly written um I do like, though, how, unlike Fisk, he actually takes the time to listen to the Doctor and Romana before assuming the worst of them. Mm -hmm. And then he works collaboratively collaboratively with them for the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I forgive him for not letting Della know he was alive? No. Does it mean I forgive him for being creeper stalker and looking out through the projection the whole time? No. But, given his job, and again, he maybe would have been concerned that Della was part of the smuggling operation. If not before his quote unquote death. Then maybe she got involved afterwards. Mm-hmm. I can't forgive him but I can move past it. And like I said with Della. I do hope they're happy together now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you know and they can go off and he cannot live in a crystal. He was living in a crystal. <laughs> Whatever. Would um, yeah. Interesting character. Great portrayal. I thought the guy playing him was fantastic. Mm. I thought the performance was great. I thought the dynamics with everyone was really, really good. Um I just questioned some of his life choices.
1: <laughs> How cool. Um I agree with you with a lot of stuff on that. Uh, he's the complete counterpoint to Fisk. He's a good cop mm. because he doesn't take any rash action actions. <laughs> and until he's got all the evidence to support his theories like he had the doctor at his mercy twice but because Mm. he didn't know exactly who the doctor was or what he was about he spared him even saved his life at one point Mm. so i admire his i admire his work like his ethic for his Mm. for his job it's a case of like don't make a decision until you know who you can and can't trust so that's Mm. good um he's an effective story-based companion Mm. um like obviously not there like long enough to be i would say in the companion type of thing but definitely though he's he's a good ally for them throughout the story Mm. um and as well he definitely puts his life at risk to try and keep the rest of the empress crew like or or taking charge of the security forces Mm. kind of marshalling them doing all that kind of stuff um the creepy stalkerish thing so i okay him looking at romana i understand because he's like i don't know who the fuck this is i think she can see me i'm gonna stay here in the bushes and put a buffalo bill and i'm just gonna <laughs> a, a to keep an eye on things now i took his line of the whole i i could only look out you know at her at Della, i took that to be before the fucking um ships collided and he was able to get free of his uh picture prison and then you raised another thing about her uh oh yeah not trusting Della, i don't i didn't view it as i didn't view it as him not trusting like you know like it, i think what his thing was and again this is just my opinion was that he couldn't trust Della not to let slip that he was alive Okay. That, yeah, and that no—that's the way that I read into it. At the same time, though, I can kind of see. Yeah, it's like, come on, like, you, like, while it's not explicitly stated, the two V did have a kind of a fucking thing. So maybe you should know, like, what, like, she's not a silly little schoolgirl type thing, you know?
0: Also, it was expressly stated.
1: Well, see, this is the thing. I think that line is delivered weird because she said we were together, but then goes into and and in describing. The day no, I, no, it was,
0: we were together. Pause for emphasis. Yeah, <laughs> and then she described everything else.
1: Okay, I thought. It, okay, I thought it was just a bad line delivery. <laughs> no. I, I thought. Okay, fair enough. Okay, in that case, it is explicitly, explicitly stated. Yeah, uh, expressly, explicitly, <laughs> whatever.
0: I'm glad uh, that you're kind of on the same page as me on that because I, I, I was slightly afraid as you were talking that we were going. It was going to be a very similar conversation to. One that I had at Star Trek Vegas last year with Norm from Mission Log and uh, some of our friends where we had like a a. 3am conversation over pizza around whether Pete from Stargate SU1 was Creepy Stalker Pete or Good Cop Doing His Job Pete. Yeah. (sighs) My vote is for Creepy Stalker Pete. Norm's is for Good good Cop Doing His Job Pete.
1: Or um, myself and uh, Sarah, like we, uh, we both love the movie Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Mm. Rings. She thinks Shang and Katie have a thing for each other. I don't see it. I just see them being really good friends. But no, she she thinks there's romantic subtext there. I'm like, don't see it. (laughs) Mm,
0: No, no, I agree with you on
1: that one. Sorry, Sarah, (laughs) completely (laughs) disagree. Um, and now we're on to okay I was going to spoil my take before you gave Mm. your take so we're now on to Rig give your
0: take for Rig Okay, I know what your take is just based off what you didn't just say Um, a couple of things about Rig I think Rig is a great character because one of the things that I like straight off the bat is as soon as the Doctor was out of view he looked up the Doctor's credentials Mm. (laughs) I always like people who check their sources alright And even then, he's like, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on him. See what he does. Okay, we're in private. No one else is around. What the fuck are you doing? Who the hell are you? And so he's not just taking the doctor at face value. Eventually, he starts making leaps in logic that, like, oh, he's a narcotics officer or whatever. But they're all understandable leaps in logic. Do you know? Where he's like, you know, the doctor's clearly a good person, is clearly trying to help us, and now he's looking for the brox owen okay maybe he's a narcotics agent and he's undercover and okay fine but i like that he didn't just take him at face value he's clearly someone who he's a good captain he clearly does his job well he knows what's involved in his job he knows where his responsibilities lie is he a little bit of a company man yeah but it's also not his ship do you know like it's it's a company ship Mm -hmm. so whatever um, and that's why the fact that like he never lets um uh Drimond off for the fact or Diamond off for the fact that like you know okay whatever happened like yeah I crashed into you but what the fuck were you doing here my dude like what the hell yeah. um I think is great I felt so bad for him like so bad for him because. His reaction to the Vraxoan was very similar to Doctor and Romana. He did not like the fact that this was on board his ship. And he really wanted to make sure it was solved. And he's also someone who's like, you know, I'm going to lose my job for this because of this crash. But I don't care. I have to do the right thing. I have to power through. To see him then devolve into madness
1: Mm.
0: was really terrible to see. Because... We saw how proud he was of his job, how proud he was of what he does, how dedicated he was to what he does. And then to see him lose it all, like scene by scene, like the scene where he's just sitting there laughing. Hmm. It sort of reminded me a little bit, like in actually a, in a much more serious way of um, Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Have you seen Kingsman, the Golden Circle? Not yet. It's really good. You should. Basically, there is, this isn't spoiling anything, it's just the setup of the film. Um, there's a drug that when you consume it, you start laughing like maniacally and dancing. Like, it's, you just completely lose control hmm. of yourself mm-hmm. until finally you're just frozen and you can't move. And it sort of reminded me of that. Like, because we can see his decline. And then we get to his withdrawal. His assault on Romana, though, could have been much worse in terms of how they decided to shoot it. I think it was still really intense. And much more intense than I thought it would be because it went on for so long. Like, they didn't just have her push him away and him, like... Scrambled off and trying to find Rexone somewhere else. He kept at her, like grabbing her. And because Nala Ward is so short, mm-hmm. and she looks a little bit like a doll, you think he's going to break her arm, mm-hmm. Do you know? Or like, did he hit her across the face? No, I did he nearly he hit either. her across the face? I think nearly he aimed think. to hit her across the face. Yeah. Um, but like, it's very intense. And my brain is blanking. What happened to him at the end?
1: A uh, fish shot him.
0: But did he shoot him dead or did he No, shot him dead. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> because, it, like...
1: it's it's very hard because all the fucking rays look the same.
0: Yeah, she doesn't think this is where I'm confused, right? Because at one point I thought K9 shot someone dead, then we found out oh, he didn't. Yeah. Um because I wasn't sure if he was dead because no one mentioned it. No one no, mentions I... him after e- the attack.
1: Either Fisk shoots him and kills him, or mm. Fisk shoots him and he's stunned but the withdrawal kills him.
0: Yeah. Cause I don't think he gets a death he deserves. And I no. don't think he gets recognition in death that he no. deserves. No. Do you know? Um, no. But yeah, that that was my thought. Off you go.
1: Cool. What did you think I was going to say?
0: Well, considering the fact that you set it up as like do we want to talk about the happy one or the sad one, and no. the happy one was Dot, the guy who was trapped in a crystal. No. I think we have no. a bit of an idea of what your yeah. thoughts
1: are on Rick. No um i was going to say that i think rig, uh, rig is the best of the supporting characters in this entire story. Mm, i would agree. um and therefore as well like the best uh performance. david david Daker does a fucking phenomenal job here. really mm. good. and like i always like it when guest actors they come in and they're just fucking performance after performance after performance. we saw we saw with iron Gronn we see it here again, fucking and I love it. great.
0: And this is a very different performance to Iron. Right,
1: very, very, very different. Because I've only seen him in one other thing, I think, and that was an episode of Porridge, and his ca- character was kind of like like Iron Grodden, since he was a fucking prison bully. Mm. So here, seeing him in as a a much more like upstanding person mm. is great. <laughs> but you no, know, I agree. I love the fact that he fucking. He knew that the doctor was, wasn't who he fucking said he was and then double checked it, but still didn't hold it against the doctor fully. Like, he, mm. you want to help? Prove it to me. Mm. Um, so I like that. And I love the fact that he was, like, he could have said, like, I'm the captain. My position's here on the bridge or anything like that. No, he was like, no, nope, I'm fucking going to where I need to be to help, you know? Mm. Uh, because he trusts his crew which is great Mm. and like throughout the story he's just a really really good again companion for the doctor here the and he says a line to Diamond which was that his only concern is for the passengers and the crew of the ship Mm. and then in one fucking swift action that is taken away from him because once he is drugged with Vrex Owen He watches as the passengers and the crew are fucking mauled by the mandrels and he laughs. As you said, Mm -hmm. it's the maniacal laughter. Mm -hmm. The man that he was is fucking taken away. And the only witnesses to that are two fucking incompetent law enforcement officials that could have sent a report back to the company and damaged his name, his legacy. Mm -hmm. If he had a family, their name could have been fucking mud. They couldn't have been entitled to anything. And that's his death is fucking sad, and that's why the 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 main villain of of this story is a is an absolute fucking the word I can't say or the word <laughs> no, I won't say again. Yeah. Um, it's just it, it's just so heartbreaking. Like a, a, a as I said, a fine upstanding uh, person mm. is the lasting memories of the potential lasting memories of people of him would have marred his reputation.
0: Yeah, I think if you compare him to the guy at the beginning, whose name I've forgotten. Sekhar. The Navigator. Yeah. um, Like, Zachar was microdosing, and we don't know for how long. Because mm-hmm. he knew where the Vrexone was, and he was yeah. going to get more of it. Mm-hmm. So he was microdosing. Rig had an entire vial of the stuff mm-hmm. dumped into his drink. Which I'm guessing is, like, a brandy or something. Because Della had gotten it for Romana after she just passed out. And, like, in, like, the 70s, like, give someone a glass of brandy to sort of help them. Yeah. Whatever. So, okay, he was having a glass, which, whatever. But, like, he drank the whole, like, like I said, Sekar was microdosing with a vial of the same size. Mm Mm-hmm. Rick had the entire vial upended in one go, hmm. and the fact that like, he devolves in the space of hours, yeah, is insane. Um, the whole idea of like him laughing off, um, Fisk and Fisk Costa, Fisk- hmm. yeah. like I would have loved to have seen episode one, Rick. Go toe to toe with Fisk in defense of the doctor, because mm-hmm. you know he wouldn't have let it fly. You know he wouldn't have let Fisk railroad the doctor, mm-hmm. because that's just who Rig was. Do you know?
1: And like, and the other uh, said component is like, is that when the person, like when when Trist is accosted by Della about his debt, he mm. was like, "That's unfortunate." That's like. It it just ah uh, like and I think this is again. This is a this is a a point of credit to Bob's writing. Mm. He wrote a very good character, and the impact of his death is fucking mm. well done. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really good point in favor of this story.
0: Yeah, it's actually the one thing that like you know with the Doctor and Romana. I think that's I think that's kind of where I was like, but like, was he dead? Dead because of who he was shot? Was he dead? Dead because I wasn't clear what the, I knew he wasn't there, but I didn't know what could probably stop this. Is that I would have expected the doctor to have been more in. Like, I know you said we got it with Della, but like I would expect the doctor to react, or mm. to sort of say like how you know how could you have done that to him or or whatever. Yeah.
1: Um, maybe maybe you like I suppose off. You could do a headcanon where he lumps it in with all the other deaths that fucking Trista's caused because of this. And that adds to his go away line. Yeah, maybe. maybe. But no, like, I, I think like a special mention of Rig should mm. have been done. Um, And the other thing as well is that what's so, what adds to the intensity and also the sadness of his assault on Romana is that he's very nice to Romana throughout the story. He
0: is. He's very nice to her.
1: Yeah, despite the fact that he fucking stole her drink, (laughs) but like he he is very nice to her. Like he never once is like kind of like he and he actually just calls her romantic. He never calls her girl or woman or anything like that. Mm. That just fucking sucks. Like, yeah. Damn you, Bob! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shall
0: we talk villains?
1: Yeah. So we have uh, Diamond and Trist. And I think we can agree that uh, Trist is probably the main fucking villain in this story.
0: Mm. Diamond, for me, he was mostly just there. Mm. He was there. Um, He was a thorn in the side, to be sure. And obviously, we know by connotation of Rex Owen that he was a deplorable person. Yeah. But he was just kind of there for most of the story like he wanted to Mm -hmm. detach the ships that was it Mm -hmm. um which isn't necessarily a bad thing yeah do you know um i think it was kind of a giveaway as soon as they mentioned drug running i was like okay it's it's him yeah like his whole thing was off from the word go why Mm. the fuck was he in restricted space immediately sauce um But I think, like, and it's hard to say, like, oh, he was less of a bad guy than Trist. They're both smuggling, like, the worst drug loan to man. Mm. All he cared about, like, the fact that his computer had, like, profit margins and whatever is disgusting and deplorable. I, I can't even say this, but at least he just wanted to get the job done and get out of there. Yeah. Like, he wasn't doing anything to, you know, he did nothing to rig. Badger him! I want mm-hmm. to fucking get my shit back. He didn't kill anybody. <laughs> he, you know, like he wasn't going around killing and drugging people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He just wanted to do his business and whatever. It was a business transaction, a deplorable, horrific business transaction. But that was it. When we get to Tristan, a second, he's fucking different. Mm-hmm. But for Diamond, yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's a villain of the piece and whatever, but other than what the connotation of what he was doing was, he was just there.
1: Mm-hmm. How would you? Yeah, no, he, he's just there s- exclusively to fill out the role of surly prick in the corner. Um, mm-hmm. He like He's the least fleshed out, I think, yeah, he's the least fleshed out character in the whole fucking thing. Mm. Like, you know? Um, and like we're kind of like as you said like yeah by just virtue of the fact that he's running Rexo and we know that he's a scumbag Mm. and he but he makes no pretensions about the fact that he isn't anything other than a fucking drug runner you know Mm. like there's no sort of like you know but I was only doing it for the kids or any of that kind of shit Mm. um I don't know why I put on my fucking culture (laughs) (laughs) um um, But yeah, no, it's just like, he's, he's there to take, he's there to take the eyes off of, well, was, he's just there to kind of go, okay, someone else here is involved in this. I wonder who it could be. And mm-hmm. that he's just there to fucking lodge the seeds of suspicion for other people on the ship. That's yeah. all. Um, And to be honest, it could have just as easily been done without him. Because he could have died in the fusion and it's like, what was the ship doing here? Why is all this CET equipment on the ship? They could have done it a lot more mysteriously and we would have been saved valuable fucking time (laughs) for this guy. And we would have had a bit more sense of mystery. No, I'm not saying that this thing is absent of mystery because it's not. Because you are trying to figure out who's the guy running around the fucking uh, silver lycra jumpsuit and who the potential other smuggler is. So, like, but just having him there and say, like, okay, we automatically know someone else on the ship is involved somehow. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Uh, It's like uh, in, you know, was it like halfway through episode three of Robots of Death? It's like, oh, yeah, we know it's this fucker.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So. Um, we're now on to Trist. Who's fucking. Yeah, you go first.
0: So we have a rule, right? Yeah. Paddy and I have no issue with swearing. Yes. It's why this show has an explicit rating, mm. wherever you find your pockets.
1: We we gave up after the first episode.
0: We did, yeah. Right. It's yes. just who we are, naturally, yeah. right? But we made an agreement that there's one word that you and I don't particularly have an issue with.
1: Yeah.
0: But a lot of other people do.
1: Yeah. And I accidentally said it. Uh, I can't remember what story it was. You're going to have to go back and find out, people. But I said it.
0: Trist is a.
1: Yeah, Trist is one of
0: them. Rhymes of bunt. Mm -hmm. What makes him so bunty Mm -hmm. is he's one of those people who's like, I'm just providing a service. It's not my fault. That people choose to use it and ruin their lives and end up dying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm just providing a service. Go fuck yourself, Trist. You self-titled gobshite. Mm. Right? You're not as smart as you think you are, which is why you're in this fucking mess to begin with. You're an irresponsible scientist. Like, stop trying to hide behind science. Mm. Like, No. You're a, a would-be murderer in the sense that you thought you killed fucking Stott. Never mind you didn't, but you thought you did. No. No. You are the worst type of individual. Because not only do you have all of that, but bearing in mind, had he not drugged um, Rick, the story Richard. would probably played out very, very similar. And he actually probably would have gotten away with it, except he panicked, drugged Rig, thinking he was drugging Romana. Because, mm-hmm. that, and that's the key thing: he wasn't putting that in there for Rig; he was putting it in it for Romana to set up. Romana. like, had you just done nothing, mm-hmm. you probably would have gotten away scot-free. Mm-hmm. Had you done nothing, but no. I'm not even just going to give someone a little dose. I'm going to macro dose somebody. So, and whatever. And then, even though I know what's going on, I know Rig is losing his fucking mind and whatever. No, I'm going to continue doing this. I'm going to try and throw my assistant, whomever, under a bus. I'm going to um try and appeal to the doctor's like scientific mind on whatever. No, you... Utter asshole, like, oh my god. Like, I'm trying to think of the last villain we had that has riled me up this much:
1: Kelman Revenge of the Cybermen.
0: Yeah, yeah, actually, probably awesome. Because the other side of this, right, is he's so like the way he is with the doctor for like literally 95% of the story is so fucking weird because your man thinks he's a fucking genius.
1: Mm.
0: And so, like, oh, the doctor's really intelligent. Now, bring in mind, he completely blanks Romana. Romana also has the exact same knowledge the doctor has, so he pays no attention to her. But because the doctor knew whoever his friend was, mm-hmm. which also I always only think of the guy from Carnival of Monsters, if like that was just me. Um, <sighs> Suddenly he's like, oh, but you know, the doctor's this, and the doctor's this, and the doctor's great, and doctor, I want your opinion. I'm like, pick a lane, buddy. Like,
1: mm.
0: no, no, I fucking hate him.
1: Uh, before I give my two cents on this, Alan Funt of a person (laughs) Uh, Alan Funt is a real person who uses a rhyming joke in uh, Family Guy for this thing Um, I I did get Carnival of Monsters vibes from the story a small bit but um, obviously the A story and the B story were part of the one story here so Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have that issue (laughs) Um, he is like, for ages, Kelman was the fucking highest. And Kelman, is as we said, was the villain of Revenge of the Cybermen, whose whole thing was to kill everyone on the fucking ship that he was on mm-hmm. um, in order to lure the Cybermen into a trap when he could have just gone a different way without having to fucking needlessly kill 45 people. Um... I would say yeah, like has probably pole vaulted him because of the, as the doctor said, the countless already impacted lives and the fucking untold lives potentially going to be impacted by this. Mm. Because um, as we discovered, it's not just the people that are taking the drug, it's whatever they happen to be doing at the time. So imagine a fucking interstellar pilot who's on Fraxo that decides to go, do what? I like the sun. I want to get a suntan. And drives the fucking thing into the sun.
0: Also, 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 right? Mm-hmm. I, and this—the the doctor kind of mentions it towards the end, and you mentioned it. His plan was to kill mandrels, for Vraxon, mm-hmm. to breed in his little zoo,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and kill this sentient species, mm-hmm. for Vraxon. Yep. Which I don't think gets given enough fucking emphasis in the story. That's what he was doing. Because like, this is the, this is the
1: thing now, right? Is that. He said kind of early on, and he, I suppose I I accidentally left it out because it's mm. the, the his driving point is he was getting government funding mm. to a certain point, and then the government government funding stopped. That's why he turned to Vraxoan dealing mm. to fund his conservation efforts. That's not even an altruistic fucking reason. He wants his name to be associated with the most advanced form of fucking electro electronic zoo. Imagine under the guise of conservation, but he wants his name above over lights. He wants to have the big fucking statue built for him. And in order to do this whole conservation thing, he is yeah he's breeding like it's fucking whatever we want to say about breeding cattle. It's fucking worse because this is breeding them to uh, to have a drug that has a one hundred percent lethality rate. Mm. Like this thing will fucking give like you there's no there's no cold turkey from this you die from it you know um and then it's just like this fucking as you said like it's the whole you know like i'm not forcing it on them they're they're taking it themselves and it's like that fucking indifference jesus christ even when oppenheimer created the fucking nuclear bomb he said i am become dead he acknowledged what he did you fucking jesus christ you're you're nearly worse than every fucking war criminal combined um no, he is like he's just a fucking detestable who puts on this fucking like facade of like you know I it's like, he doesn't see himself as the villain like, no. he doesn't see himself as a bad person. Christ, even Kelman fucking said yeah I'm I'm doing this for money, you know, and like, he realized that yeah like I I'm an asshole. Tris doesn't see him in any sort in any negative light, like. Trist can get into the bottom of that fucking hole and let no sunlight emerge, like see him for eternity.
0: I think they should have kept him in the crystal. Keep him in the crystal forever.
1: Just trapped in that fucking uh, control room.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Don't let him out. Just fucking keep him in forever. Because hmm. that. I'll get something overall. I'll get something overall. But. Hmm
1: yeah yeah so he he's the he's the gold medalist in the bunting games yeah uh, also I remember who I actually said the word about I believe it was the marshal from the Armageddon factor oh I believe <laughs>
0: yeah we don't say that word not because we care about it because we know yeah yeah, no. it's
1: just like you know, some people don't like that word we
0: will say lots of words that rhyme with it though
1: yes absolutely <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh. so let's get this punting thing finished (laughs) 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 we've now reached the overall section of the podcast where myself and trish each gave a score out of five for the story so trish your final thoughts and score on the nightmare of eden
0: Oh, another amazing concept story. Mm. But like a lot of Bob's stuff. <laughs> oh, Bob, what were you smoking? Um, <laughs> it kind of went off in weird directions. Mm. Right? Like, like for me, okay. Positives first, right? Positives mm. first. Rig, freaking amazing. Stott, great character. Della. Della, fabulous. Della and Romana together, great K nine having things to do, very good. Mm. The doctor being on A game, very good. Romana in her connection with Della, very good. Um Trist as someone who is the absolute worst. Well done. You made Mm. me hate him. (laughs) Yeah. Good job, Bob. Whatever, right? Diamond Bisk, not so much. And the other guy that we didn't even bother mentioning. Yeah. Oh, that was good. The concept was great. I think the idea of the mandrels was also really good.
1: Mm-hmm, we
0: didn't mm-hmm. talk about them as a villain because they're kind of a...
1: They're a smokescreen. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I liked their design and mm-hmm. I thought they were really interesting. I like how they they're meant to operate by sound. Um, yeah. Really interesting. And like that's pure Bob, like something fucking completely random.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you know, really, really good. There were a number of things, though, that for me didn't quite add up in the end. Why did some people wear spacesuits, like the Navy hoodies and whatever, when other people mm-hmm. didn't? What the fuck's the point in that? Why wasn't Stott trying to kill the mandrels that had escaped Eden? Like, I know he does it towards the end, but like... Hmm.
1: Yeah, because he wouldn't know anything about them. To him, they would just be wild beasts.
0: Yeah. Like, he didn't know, like... Yeah. Um, why was Romana so fucking weird? in general, general question. Um, K9 spent half an age in that power room talking to himself.
1: Mm.
0: He's like, Master, I've reached the power room, what would you like me to do now? And no one ever fucking responds to him. In the inverse, when the doctor's in the power room and K9 is by the charges, the doctor uses the whistle and K9 can hear him. So why did no one reply to him? Why was he just talking to himself in the power room for twenty minutes? Is it because you put him there and then you realise that the other people weren't in position yet, just have to fucking leave them there. That made no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, The whole thing with the CET, right? Because, taking you back to something you said. The whole idea of being able to leave the CET was because of the fusion, right?
1: Mm.
0: So after they had separated the ships, and they had trapped Tristan Diamond in the crystal, and even just with the mandrels, the ships were separated. Yeah. How were so, they going in and out of the CET? And why as well? Like, so we have the window into Eden. But then apparently there's other windows as well on the ship. How, how does that? What?
1: Well, it's like, yeah, like, like that's really badly explained because... The, the way that they had set up was, like, or, like, it's... Even, like, the, the explanation was very confusing because what Trist says is that it takes a scan of an area mm. and puts it into the crystal, and that area then becomes its own living entity, but it's only mm. so much of an, an area. So, like, is it... I think it's maybe, like, the holodeck from TNG, which is, like, once you reach a certain point, that's where, like, you reach the holodeck wall, and then, like,
0: Maybe, but like yeah. that doesn't explain why once the fusion was over, they're still able to jump in and out.
1: No, 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 it 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 doesn't. That's an oversight because the doctor said that that can only happen because the CET doesn't have this one component.
0: Yeah. yeah. So don't get that at all. Because then I was thinking, oh, maybe it's because the doctor and Romana rebuilt it, mm. but they rebuilt it after they put the mandrels back. Yes. At which point the ship was already separated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that doesn't Um, the mandrels were scary until the very end, when they're being sort of herded back to the friz, because they kept going. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. I'm gonna get
1: you.
0: No, I'm not. like okay, lads. You were really scary when you were being like evil. Yeah. Now you're like a bunch of toddlers who keep going, I'm going to run away. Oh, no, you're still there. Like, whatever. Um, the doctor being chased by the mandrels on Eden.
1: That, yeah.
0: It wasn't funny. It wasn't scary. It was filler. Mm-hmm. And Tom clearly didn't give a shit.
1: Yeah, so to give the listening audience a bit of an insight, the doctor goes, as I said, he goes into the projection and the mandrels follow him before he gets out. They chase him, and off camera there's this whole "oh my arms, my legs, my everything." Oh, it's like almost like this heaven to Betsy's type. And that's
0: literally shit. the way it sounds.
1: Yeah, that I, isn't it's, Paddy it's, exaggerating.
0: That's literally no, no, like, the no, like, way it's it
1: sounds. Like, it, yeah, like that's like it's proper like pig on the spit ham, you know. And it's it's so fucking bad. It actually kills the engagement. Like that part of it just fucking kills your Mm. engagement with the every serious thing that happened throughout the story because for all intents and purposes it's a fairly serious story Mm. like it's very light on the fucking humor we have seen thus far in it and so that really just fucking and again like it like kind of like that line at the end just fucking really kills but uh, go on sorry
0: yeah, so all of that together, I was really struggling with a score.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I was like, it's average. Yeah. But then, is average three? But there was so much what-the-fuckery that I'm like, is average two and a half? I'm going to go with 2.75. I feel weird giving it a three. All right, all right. But for rig alone, I think it has to go over 2.5 yeah no rig alone is worth the
1: 2.5 i think that there is an awful lot of, like i'll wait till you to finish any other points you have mm. and i'll get into it no that,
0: that's that's me i've, okay. I've sort of I've, cool. I've drawn my line now all right i wrote down I three last night i wasn't quite sure about it two and a half doesn't feel like it justifies it because of rig so mm-hmm. 2.75 cool
1: um i agree with you like that the concept of the story is fantastic as i said there is a real aliens vibe to it or aliens Mm. slash aliens like with the whole thing of these fucking creatures that are there that we find out are actually the source of a fucking drug that an evil prick is um, cultivating Mm. um some really i wouldn't say that it's a completely stellar supporting cast but it's a very strong supporting cast with a very mm. strong group of performances.
0: Right?
1: Mm. Um, re- some really good, like as I said, the the real horror of the story, the real nightmare of Eden being the mm. Braxoan, being hid by the the face value one of the Mandrels, is really good. Also, mm. interesting enough, Mandrels not well received. Critics said that looked like Jim Henson uh, Jim Studio rejects liked them, I did as well. To be honest, I thought that aside they were, from, actually,
0: I haven't like, said the word at the end.
1: See, this is the any kind of weird creature with a huge mouth really gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies.
0: But even like the, their 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 feet were like mm. sort of like elephant feet, yeah, and like they got like the long swiping. Clo- I thought they were kind of cool mm. from anymore. a design perspective. I like, said, so, I think when they were being herded down corridors, I think just I don't, I don't think the guys in the suits knew what to do. Yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Other than that. I thought um, they were kinda of good.
1: I've actually just kinda of thought of something there. I think all the weaponry used by the, the, the company people, so this would be like um Fisk and his security crew and also the security, I think they're non lethal weapons. I think I, I think, think so too, designed... because
0: they, they wouldn't take down the mandrels the after mandrels. multiple
1: Yeah, I think they're designed oh. solely to stun. Which makes fucking Riggs' death even worse because he died unconscious. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like so, I think they're designed purely to stun. Um. And like, yeah, so like there's no, there's, there's, some really, really good stuff here. That being said, there's a, there's a level of humor here with, with that, with that, um, weird heaven to Betsy's type fucking mm. shit that oh it just kills it kills the fucking momentum of the story it really does um and then as i said like just that final line it's just so fucking weird and then we have like i like liking romana a bit more but there's so much inconsistency there having like a almost farcical representation of uh an antagonistic police officer Mm. you know it's like this isn't like the Sunmakers, which is like it is actually thumbing its nose at the establishment. Mm. It, it's it's not here where it's it's like their 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 sole focus here was drugs, mm. and they passingly make a comment to a company that has the power of life and death over its employees. That I think is a really interesting fucking concept mm. for exploration that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um. So therefore, I wouldn't have put that in this story. I would have saved okay. it for.
0: What I think would have made this story way better is if Fisk was in on it. Mm. If Diamond's comments were true, the company had given him permission to be there because it's the company that hired Trist. It's the company that was doing it. I think would have been way more interesting.
1: Fisk being in on it legitimizes Diamond's presence in the story. Yeah. Fisk not being in on it adds to the fact that Diamond is superfluous to the whole fucking thing.
0: Yeah. Like if Fisk was in on it, and we find out that like Rig is the upstanding captain doing his job, whatever, and the company is shit because they found out somehow that Trist had found another source of owen and so they want to make money from it mm-hmm. and so diamond was actually employed by them and when diamond hadn't left and they're like where is he they send Fisk up I think mm-hmm. that would have elevated the story to a whole new level because yeah. then like, we're getting really into sort of the whale and utani. yeah everyone is expendable mm-hmm. all about the money thing
1: and like again I think you hear we have a thing of like too many fucking story elements in the one story and squandered opportunities. Uh, And, like, I'm not saying it needed to be extended because it really didn't. I think it's, as a four-parter, it's quite good. Um, It was just certain elements in it that, again, as I said, Diamond is just a completely superfluous character. Like, he adds nothing to it.
0: Did you notice the reprises were quite long?
1: Yes, I did. Um, Which for me it's easy it's great because it makes mm. the recap shorter but it does kind of make a telltale sign as to we're padding for time here
0: mm.
1: Um. so what I will say is that I think so far from season 17 mm. this would be the first story I'd go back and watch in this entirety
0: oh mm. mm.
1: yeah I think I would I think I'd watch this from start to finish Um. so I'm giving it a three
0: very good yeah because, I would probably skim it, to be honest. Um, but I wouldn't skip it.
1: Yeah. Do a speed watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, like, and as I said, like, I loved Julian Glover in City of Death, and I love some of the bits, but mm-hmm. it's it, it's really, hit realistically, his parts. Uh, Destiny mm-hmm. of the Daleks and Creature in the Pit. Again, barring some... like Destiny of the Daleks, I don't think I'd ever go back and watch again, and then with... Uh, Creature from the Pit certain character anything to do with Madame Adrasta like mm. we talked about was fucking great but yeah no this is the first story of this season that I think I'll go back and watch the entirety of it
0: cool so looking at the season as a whole we're not doing much better
1: <laughs> yeah uh, actually before we get to the overall
0: hmm.
1: Bob's solo story
0: <sighs> I don't see any difference hmm. between stories Bob does on his own
1: and one that he did with Dave Martin. And
0: one that he does with Dave Martin.
1: So it's just the two of them are so like akin that it's like... Yeah.
0: I think... I mean, is it, we've liked some of their stories. We Three really Doctors. Have. Brilliant. Um, fucking uh,
1: hand, hand, of, hand, of hand of Fear. fear. Suntaren. 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 Actually, yeah, just, back go back your, uh, just go back to the list there again really quickly. Sorry. Um, so we had Claus of Weren't really big fans of that. No. Mutants did not like. Uh, Three Doctors, Sontaran Experiment, Hand of Fear. So it's, Invisible it's really Enemy,
0: li- we were a little bit...
1: Iffy on because of... Because, yeah. because of how they wrote fucking... Um, Leela. Leela. Underworld... And Armageddon fact. Like, this is the thing, is that, like, if you take a look at it, Three Doctors, Sontaran Experiment, and Hand of Fear, they have two of the most renowned producers mm. helming those stories.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Mutants, Clause of Axos, yeah, okay, Grant is And two of the
0: most own. renowned script editors as well.
1: Yeah. I know Clause of Access and the Mutants, like, fuck it. You know, we didn't say those errors are 100% fucking bulletproof. Mm. But, no, like, they are much like their, <laughs> some of their stories, they are very inconsistent.
0: I will say though, Right. The concept behind their stories.
1: Yes. It's always fucking brilliant. They they really
0: do fucking come up with some really good stories. Like, I think the problem is the two of them are just run so much fucking L S D that they don't <laughs> that yeah. it just doesn't work. Like the irony of like okay, I might be speaking out of turn, right? But it's from watching the Clause of Access, like the behind like, the scenes stuff. I kinda get the sense that they were taking fucking something in the seventies. Yeah. So If that's true, the irony of them doing of Bob then doing this story. I'm like okay. (laughs) Um But yeah, I mean this is the last one. Like part of me is a little bit sad we're not gonna see any more stories from Bob Mm. or from Dave. Um because like I said, the concept behind them was always really good.
1: And actually, one thing I didn't bring up in the trivia, but apparently uh, Bob reached out to Russell T. Davies um, to offer his services mm. for the revival. And Russell said, we're not bringing back any previous screenwriters mm. from the classic era. Um,
0: Which I don't think necessarily is a bad thing. No, no, it's, it, no the, it's not. The the styling of the revival is very different.
1: Yeah, what, what he wanted for, his vision of it was very different. Yeah. Respectful of the, what had come before, but wanted to make its own thing
0: yeah Um,
1: back to the episode ratings
0: yeah so for the season you are on a Mm 2.25 and I am on a 2.13 this season is not doing well it is currently scrolling back up the list it is currently our lowest performing season um, yeah. On average, it is the lowest performing because it just can't seem to get consistently above that three. Why are you? Why are you filling in numbers?
1: I'm just checking <laughs> something. No, I wanted to see what it would take for the season to crack at a three, and the next two stories would have to be four point fives
0: for you to crack a three. For me, yeah,
1: you would need fives.
0: Yeah, like if I gave four point fives yeah 4.75 maybe so yeah i need to give 4.75s in order for it to crack three um which it might do i mean i said Mm -hmm. we still have two episodes left so Mm -hmm. next week is the horns of Mm -hmm. which was technically the last story aired of the season but because shadow is included in the blu-ray set and mm-hmm. is now sort of like we have it to watch yeah we're also doing shadow as the official mm-hmm. last story of the season
1: here.
0: so we'll see um yeah. i would say things can only go up but that's not true so <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: but again as we've kind of said before um not anything we've been said here not everyone's going to agree with us so, no. like, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this story and any other stories from this season.
0: Yeah. Um, I do know that uh, our our friend Earl, mm-hmm. um, when we put up City of Death, he's like, oh, this is like one of my favorite stories. I was like, oh, no.
1: <laughs> and we never spoke to him again.
0: <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, bye. 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 What? <laughs>